Hi, welcome to episode 11, one one of uh, Red River Podcast, uh, back in the lovely, lovely digs of Mr. Parker. What's going on? I'm back alive, man. Back alive. Fucking fucked up two weeks. Uh, Langan, staring yes. at me. I like I'm it. Right here. Yeah. You got your possess shirt on? I do. Is that Larry Lalonde's band? It was. It was, right? <laughs> yeah. Fuck that guy, right? <laughs> kind of. Yeah. <laughs> you know why? Because they're like a very important band. They did the black metal, death metal thing early on. They only made three records. The singer got like jacked and got paralyzed. He's in a wheelchair. He's wow. still playing possessed gigs. They just got signed to do an album with uh, Nuclear Assault. I mean, nuclear, not nuclear Blast. Nuclear Blast. Who signed? He, they're signing everyone. Yeah. Which is good because, like, they were a good band. They were really good. But Larry Lalonde thinks it's beneath him. It's like, come on, throw some shows, play some shows with this yeah. guy. He's in a goddamn wheelchair. Les Claypool won't care. Yeah. You know? You know? So. But, uh, yes. All right. Um, and then to my right, uh, the lead singer of all lead singers, mm-hmm. the, uh, the KRS one of Long Island Hardcore. Um, <laughs> I, I'll tell you this This before we start when my band used to play shows I went like two or three years where I had nothing to say in between songs and I would just be like uh, sorry George Reynolds isn't here to talk to you guys <laughs> you blamed me <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm just saying I had nothing to say I've had no no frontman personality so um, but anyway welcome George it's good to be here yeah it's weird that you say the lead singer of all lead singers and I'm not actually a lead singer. No, you're you're a lead singer. At the moment. You're a lead singer. Oh no, yeah, actually, um, I think I went to your last show. Same vibe. Probably, yeah, yeah, yeah. That was the last time I played. Was that anything. was that scripted? No, no. It just <laughs> happened to be the last time. Well, I stopped playing music. Okay, and then there How was long the ago reunion was this? shows. Um, there was a couple of mind over matter reunion shows okay. to raise money for Rob. McAllister. Uh, right. So, you know, that was just, I had stopped playing completely mm-hmm. and then did a couple of reunion shows to raise money. So it would be the last time. How did I those played. reunions like start happening? Like, like this one? Well, you know, we get asked pretty, pretty decently. I mean, and it's always sort of a thing that a couple of people in the band want to do it and a couple of people don't. Always. And we all trade always. roles. And, um, you know, it, it, it really does seem like overall we have to, you know, be into it. And, you know, the time and place is everything. And it always feels like, all right, well, no more. And then something good comes up or something worthwhile, like a benefit. And uh, then we'll just decide to do it. And that's it. Like the text message thread is just okay, okay, okay. The, okay. the text message <laughs> thread is awful. <laughs> it's awful. Text message threads are awful in general. In general, yeah. But then the confusion of you, you think it would it would be okay now, but there's still people who um, maybe have older cell phones or something like that, and it just doesn't come through. And then you're reading old messages or someone's sleeping, and it's a nightmare. And you want to be like, well, let's just get on the phone like we used to. But you know, and then there's jokes, um, and somehow it all gets hashed out. Yeah, you know. Yeah, that was a lot of fun. Uh, um, we we I remember. Alex, our friend Alex and I, like we we drove in, and that was it, right? Like, because you yeah. want you wanted to kind of let loose a little, yeah. So I, dr- I I drove on the way back, um, but it was like me, you, Alex Amarudin. A shout out again. We we I think him and Metallica get fucking <laughs> spoken of every, every episode. episode, and he won't come on. He's he won't like, come on. Oh, oh, you know, 
I got nothing to talk about. Everyone's got better stories than me. <laughs> no, you got you got to you got to figure out what the key is. Dude, the, the guy is... played on the fucking red demo. That's all that I got to say. Just let him know. Right. Let him but know. To get him here, the key would be that he's now married with a child. Yeah. So this was the way you can get him just say I got some booze. <laughs> and got I some got toys for the ki- toys for the kids down here. I think know? that's what it is. <laughs> Come into the man cave. Yeah. Of, I think I think a ride would be good because then he could kind of like let loose and right. stuff. So we'll we'll work we'll on set up the Uber. We'll send the car service. Send the Uber. <laughs> send, yeah. the Uber. <laughs> send the Uber. But um so we we drove into Brooklyn to St. Vitus um and then from there you guys practice before the show that's why we yeah. went in early how mm-hmm. funny is that was that the first practice no no we did um sort of like half practices here and there but it was you know not already owns saint vitus as part owner so we actually practiced at you know so it was it was good super you know? cool yeah. like right to have like that band member like oh yeah you own this place so we could come <laughs> here early right. we could set up no one's ever you know no one's gonna think anything of it so and when you helpful. guys hit stage it's like no time passed or is it kind of i'm like i always want to rehearse right i just feel like i need it you know what i mean but Mm -hmm. there is a thing that there is muscle memory that you don't think you know when you when you're driving in your car and you're trying to remember lyrics or you're trying to remember how songs goes you screw it up Mm -hmm. but when you're all together and you screw it up you go into that muscle memory of how you fix the screw up many years ago and it's fine so gotcha. you know it, there there is a muscle memory to it but i don't like to go up there and just phone it in i want to like practice and nah. be sure. rehearsed and people be like wow they were really tight instead of just falling apart in front of everyone you know and then from there um i know that you guys well you like involved like what the four other singers from like r- other bands it was like tim yeah. from vod ron grimaldi yep. um jaw jaw from um, Berserkers. Who the hell else? That was it. And there was one more. I don't remember. Um, there wasn't one more. It was uh, Jaw, Tim, and Ron, me, Artie Shepard. Oh, okay. Yeah. And they they did uh, LSS by Neglect. Nice. Yeah. And uh, man, the place the place was feeling that one definitely. And okay. for someone who's not really a hardcore person like myself, like everyone remembers LSS. Yeah, like, yeah it should have been like the hit single. Yeah, for lack of a better word. But now that was a text message thread and a half. I I was trying to do it like because we all had to figure out what part to do. <clears throat> You know what I mean? I didn't want people just, you know, falling all over each other. I literally wanted it to be like featuring this guy, then the next guy, then the next guy, because it was like a thing. It was Tommy something. Corrigan. Oh, Tommy Corrigan. How the hell could I forget that? <laughs> I was sure I was right. Yeah. I was totally wrong. But um, <laughs> so we, we worked it out and I wanted it to be like, then you come up, then you come up, then you come up. So, you, you know, you could, you could see a different singer every time. Yeah. And the hardest one was to get jaw. Because Joe, I was like, I don't sing. I don't do that. This is, I think this might have been the third time I asked him to do this. And finally, he, I was like, I will give you the easiest part, I had the least lyrics, and but just come out and do it. And uh, he nailed it. Yeah, it everyone awesome. nailed it. It was fucking very special to see. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was um, fun. I loved it. Like, it was... It was just one of those moments where I'm like, man, I was here. So mm-hmm. I like that. And, and what I noticed in between songs, like you always do, um, I think you did like kind of like a i want to say like a spoken word piece in the middle maybe like uh about i did american something i did what i did on the ancient tongue record okay i just changed it up like a little bit yeah and um it's just sort of like an intro to one of their songs that's like spoken word yeah ish like rhymey ish not rap though no 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 it was it was um 
it did have like a, a bit of you Death know poetry. <laughs> yeah, like uh, it was just it had a swagger to it, you right. know. So it wasn't like straight up like you know reading like a cue card and stuff like that. Right. And and I think you were always really good at that. It was like supernatural and and. Uh, well, not supernatural, but super natural. <laughs> so you're saying I have superpowers? Because <laughs> that's what I heard. I don't know what you said, but that's what I heard. Guys, like supernatural. Um, so I know that maybe it's something you you'd like to explore in the future, or some something like that. Yeah, um, I've always wanted to do something where it's just me. You know, where it's like stories and some that are funny some that are a little bit more uh interesting and i don't rap i'm not Saul williams you know wouldn't be like that but like what you heard was rhythmic absolutely you know it wasn't like yeah me just reading like da 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 da, you know like a or um you know some type of poetry it's not like an like an art project you wouldn't get and it had like like a few refrain lines like where you would repeat certain things so it was it was almost like you had a hook yeah it had a hook it had a (laughs) verbal hook so but i love you know henry rollins the way he does it and my one of my best friends is michael clarity and i'm just a master in awe of how he does that with no music some stories some you know some things involved and you know it's funny because i texted you the other night about it i texted him well, he, clarity. yeah, clarity texted me too. Like when we were all, to, uh, when we, oh, interesting. like the, the day after we spoke. So yeah, that's interesting. Cause it, it's something where like, I've always been like, uh, someone who likes to be accountable to someone. Like if I'm in a band with you, I don't want to show up late to practice. I don't want to, uh, let anyone down. But when you're doing it on your own, you could just be like, I'll do it tomorrow. Yeah. So well, I have yeah, like yeah. tons of stuff written. I have, uh, things like voice recorder so i wrote you because i was like i need to be accountable for someone to be like well when you know when can we get together yeah so i was like let me just hash some stuff out with you you know no that would be great this way when you have to answer to somebody if you're that type of person which i am then you'll be like i gotta get that done before wednesday and it moves your project along you don't realize how much five guys in a band some of them aren't like that in a van usually, but there'll be a few enough that, that will say, all right, we got to get this done. And when you don't have it, you're like, well, I'll be accountable to the other things in my life, Absolutely. work or whatever, and I'm not going to get that art project done. And this is like the art project I've been kicking around. It's like, maybe I need someone else just to say, I'll see you Friday. You're going to show me some of the stuff you wrote. Yeah. And then I'll see you tomorrow. Actually, I'm free. Um, so <laughs> slow down, Sam. <laughs> you know. <laughs> You're like a like a girlfriend already. Jesus. <laughs> Coincidentally, we I think you and I both heard the Joe Rogan episode with Everlast. Yes. He was just on. And he did mention something like that where he was working on his uh solo record that ne- never came out. He never finished it. Mm. And he said it was just different. He was just like it was all up to him and the his co writer wasn't around and it was just some dude in a in the studio. And he said that uh, once he got together with War Porn Industries, which is like the hip hop group that he started, um, he said it was like a communal thing and like it was like a group effort. And it kind of like they all kind of uh, did it together because he said he just wasn't getting anywhere by himself, mm-hmm. you know, so definitely, definitely like that. Um, and uh, for, especially for something like a 30, 40 minute piece. Uh, of spoken word whether it be stories like that's pretty daunting like that's 
If you speak for five minutes, <laughs> it's to. tough. I did a. I, I think we're do... only up to like seven minutes. <laughs> well, just by yourself, if you have to give sure. a speech, you know, you just have to, you know, do something where you write it, beginning, middle, end, and try and keep people's attention. It's 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 tough, mm-hmm. you know. But you know, there's something about it. I've always been attracted to, like being a front man and talking in between songs and admiring, you know, great speakers. You know, that was part of my like interest in a band wasn't like oh i have these you know these lungs i i would just love to sing i just need to be singing it was just never like that for me a lot of it was you know in my head of like working things out and and talking in between songs and lyrics and words more than it was like oh that melody it just you know, like yeah you know. yeah no and and you in between songs but I've never seen pretty much anyone like you. Maybe Josh Homme from Queens of the Stone yeah. Age. Oh yeah, he's got some. <laughs> he's got some uh, good banter with the crowd. <laughs> so, uh, but yeah, so I would definitely love to sit down and uh, listen to that because I've never done that before. So it'd be cool. Like I don't know, you know, you you give me what you have, and and I think it would be interesting. I'm I'm into trying like anything different. Um, I think I spoke to you about like a weird random podcast offer that came down to me, <laughs> like I don't with Christian. You did. Oh yes, you did. Yeah. yeah. So he, uh, <laughs> I'm down to try anything. So. Yeah. Um, well, you know, create. You know, as far as like creative stuff goes, <laughs> nothing, nothing too crazy. You know, I'm not talking about like horse dick and shit like that. I'm talking. <laughs> but if that's, the line. If you're that's kind what, of revealing yourself. If that's <laughs> yeah. what you're into, by all means, I'm just saying, like you know. Yeah, we don't want to turn away that possible audience. You know, the <laughs> there's an, horse there's an dick. Audience that's ten, that. ten bestiality videos. <clears throat> just like fuck this show. I'm never gonna listen to it anymore. Protest. But <laughs> anytime, uh, I could be in ten bands, and somebody could ask me to join an 11th band that sounds interesting and in my head i'm just thinking like maybe i do have extra time because like when it comes to being creative since i don't do it for a living Mm any time that i get the opportunity to do anything like that i pretty much jump on it so that's that's amazing to me like i've always known guys who can do like three bands I, I think I overlapped one band once, like for like a couple months, Revenge of the Dragon and White Tap Crash, and I was like, "This is exhausting." Yeah, and I I think it's like you're like a natural born musician, and some of that like just has to be those needs have to be met. And for me, I feel like it was acquired ability, and it, it takes a lot for me to do what I do. Like I work at this, so um, I have to like narrow it down and edit constantly, and then. I love the work part of it, but it, it feels more exhausting. And, it, you know, like a guy like Mike Patton, mm. I'm like, it's like, that sounds like a nightmare to be oh. in that many bands. But for him, that's the way it is. And, and it's never enough. Never And enough. that, like, fascinates me, uh, the difference in musicians. I think most musicians I know are more like, like you, just need to do several projects. Yeah. If they could. I, I, I just do. I mean, for just because, I don't know just the personality that i have you know three donuts are better than one <laughs> plus you know a wide range of music so it kind of satiates but everything i play sounds the same <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> everyone's like ah oh, it sounds like uh, you know whatever you were at i'm like yeah i guess so so uh but so you're okay kind of like uh not saying that you're never gonna play again but like this new kind of like uh uh, part of of your life where it's like you, you know you're working you're doing your thing and from there you're just focused on this 
this like piece of uh you know whatever you want to call it one man you know can we call it a one man show i think so if i it, think that sets the bar rather high like i would have props and like, you know what i mean like top. so <laughs> spoken word sounds spoken super corny yeah, there that's you go. the way to go that's doesn't it sound corny if like oh he does spoken word if you say poetry that sounds a little yeah. weak yeah so Spoken Maybe word kind of covers the whole gambit. It does. Because Could be some humor. Could be story. It, you know, it's wide, wide open. Well, because you mentioned the man, uh, Henry Rollins. Yeah. And I remember when I first listened to his stuff, it was like some of it was funny. Mm-hmm. Right. Some of it was like, oh, okay, like uh, biographical maybe. He you shifts know, gears really well. Yeah. Very well. Yeah. And he's like so worldly and traveled and, mm-hmm. and does so much shit that he has a lot of stuff to talk about. So. I like that. Yeah, I mean that's I'm I'm okay with it cuz it almost fills the need that filled with music. Music like I said I wasn't like man, I you know, you wouldn't see me as a little kid and be like, "Oh, this this kid's going to be, you know, in a band. He's just got to play." It wasn't like that. It was just it was more like just you know, figuring out how to do it, you know. I I would be, you know, talking with someone they'd say, "Oh, there's a you should see this documentary and I would get the documentary and be like, as I'm watching the documentary, it's like, Oh, I got to use those words. And it was, it was almost a little bit more heady than it was like trying to write like the best melody. You know, it just, it, it, it moved me forward creatively because of all this outside stuff, going to a show, having conversations in the parking lot. And then you yeah. know, what I do today is more, I would listen to podcasts and audiobooks more than I actually listen to records. Mm-hmm. So it, it, it serves that need that, that I have that I don't know that most musicians that I know have that same need, you know? If I rule the world, what does that mean to you? <laughs> <laughs> it's a good title. Really? Well, that's the same thing. I mean, we were, we, we, we've been talking for a while. We've been talking about it for a while. Yeah. I started a podcast <laughs> and, uh, it almost falls into the same exact category, accountability. There's no one there being like, hey, let's do this podcast. So I you know, started, I actually started with a friend of mine, Kelly. And then, you know, she was doing her own. And then we were starting to do this together. And I just had this thing inside me that was like, you just want to do it by yourself. You know, and I think if you if you're in a band, if you make music, if you're an artist, you know when you're like something's nagging you, and if you don't scratch that itch, it's just gonna bother you forever, and and you know when to let that go and when to do it. So it was like I explained to her, and I ho- I always hope she understands it because it wasn't like you know anything bad on her. It was like it's not you, it's me. I just want to kind of do it on my own. So then I decided to do it on my own, and then again you're by yourself, and you don't have that accountability to somebody else and. No deadline. No deadline. So every week I'm like, I, I did one interview with Daryl from Glassjaw, which is like a pain in the ass to get him to come to my house. And we did a great interview. And then it's like, I have it. I got to edit it and I got to start this thing. And I almost feel like it's the same thing. Like I want to have someone involved with my podcast who might not necessarily want to be on the mic forming questions and all of that, but want to help me like move it along. And it's, it's, amazing that i've discovered this about myself that this is an accountability thing i didn't even realize i had in a band you know with everybody there being like i'm not going to be the guy who shows up late i'm not going to be the guy who didn't finish the song yeah i'm not going to be that guy instinctively and i do it with work and i do it with other parts of my life and then when it comes to my own personal art 
I'm like, there's always tomorrow. There's always tomorrow. So that other person, even in the podcast, I'm like, maybe I need a partner that's like not interested in like being on the mic, but wants to like help me shape things and this and that. Yeah, you need the the tech guy definitely. And right. I think two works better than one sometimes. I mean, there is like the Mark Marins of the world, and right. You know, but he, you know, still it's just his one view, and but he's a, he's a seasoned vet. That he's a stand-up comedian. You know, yeah. Like right. A, I mean that. The, that field too just from going what you're talking about spoken word I mean I've always admired that field for how hard it would be to stand up for like an hour and tell things that you think is funny yeah to get people to laugh and to oh. have this material it's it's really daunting it's the hardest thing <laughs> you know well, that's it out of all of them is like George comedy. Carlin and these people that do George it Carlin real well like amazing. it's he, George told me to watch this thing that I, on Netflix that I watched um, when we were talking, maybe it was like two days ago, um, Three Mics with Neil Brennan. I saw you post about that. Holy I, shit. I had never heard of that one. Super, like Neil Brennan uh, co-wrote The Chappelle Show, yeah. Half-Baked, basically anything Dave Chappelle does. Okay. So that's like, they're the one and two. Um, and uh, so he has a like an hour-long special on Netflix. It's called Three Mics. And in the beginning, you see... The way they set it up. So it's like one says one-liners. The middle one was like emotional. One was comedy, like straight-up jokes. Yeah, stand One was, I thought the middle, I think it was the one-liner. Or however they set it up. Yeah, One was one-liners, one was emotion, like stories. Yeah. And then the other one was uh, stand jokes. Yeah. Stand-up, yeah. So, and, and so the way it played out was, um, I don't know how it, it, you know, how he taped it, but the way it was edited together. They would, you know, like do the one part, then the second part, and then the third part, and then again. And they would just like rotate it. But the stuff that I found super effective was his, the emotional part, mm-hmm. because he was super honest about being depressed. Right. And, and how he needed to chase certain things, and, and basically his fucking faults, his abusive father, that relationship. Wow. Like I'm watching, the, I saw it twice because I watched it again last and night. So each mic, like if he went to this other mic that said one-liners, that's the kind of jokes he would tell him. I get it. Yeah, wow, it was, that's yeah. brilliant concept, man. It's, and I got mad because I was like, "Yo, that was my, you know, when like <laughs> you hear it, a song or yeah. a title or there, you know, and you're like, ah, oh, dude, I, I yeah. thought of that, man.' And I was like, oh, I, not exactly <laughs> like that, but it bothered me. I right. was like, ah, oh, I was thinking about something like that, maybe different mics or something like that, but. Now that idea is gone, it's good, man. It's on Netflix, and it's only an hour long, and it's uh, you could tell that this guy is a really good writer, and I guess he just hid behind Chappelle for a while because Chappelle's the the, you know Mm -hmm. the stand up, so very very good. And and he comes out, and he has cue cards. So he's standing, and you know you start your special. He has cue cards, and he's just reading it, and the one liners. And you're like, that's kind of weird, right? And then I was watching an interview with him, and he's like, I did the cue cards because I needed to differentiate the mics. And I'm like, that that's a master. Yeah. Yeah. That's someone who has attention to detail on every word, every movement. And how do you figure out, like, I'm going to go to say something emotional right now. Now that now there's no payoff. It's not funny anymore. Right. You must either do that 10,000 times to get that that fluidity and have people be okay with, like, the emotional part now and him to admit about his, you know, hiding behind Dave Chappelle, which is like, it sounds like a name drop, but in the end it's so vulnerable. Absolutely. And you know, and, and the way he just moved back and forth between those microphones, you're like, 
this is a masterpiece because yeah. you know and you, you question it like i question the cue cards and then you realize like yeah he's differentiating and putting it in your head because i knew when he was done just move to the next thing like that's amazing wow. to me yeah you yeah. gotta check it out so yeah definitely speaking of daryl glassjaw what were you gonna say I remember, uh, I think it was the silent majority when they did the, uh, I think it was that last show actually. And Daryl said, uh, none of you motherfuckers would be there if it wasn't for mind over matter and VOD. Nice. And could we get into that? Yeah. What do, what do you think about that? He's been super, uh, supportive, yeah. you know, and, um, that's incredible to hear because, mm. you know, when, when, when Glassjaw first started, I didn't pay attention to them. Mm-hmm. I didn't. Re- they were like around, and we played with them, and I, I was like supportive of them, but I didn't really, really get into them until that first Roadrunner record. Mm-hmm. Even Kiss, Kiss, Bang, Bang, I knew, but I didn't really. Me too. And then I was like, became a fan of theirs, you know, like a fan of him, a fan of the way he writes, and so it, it you know, it's it's interesting to turn it around and be like, no, I I'm influenced by you. And I, I, I can appreciate Daryl because Daryl tries to do all these different things, and he gets shit for it. You know, he could stick with one thing if he wants. He could do glass drawer forever, um, but he's all over the map. And some things do better than others. But he's one of those guys. Like I look at, I'm like, you're an artist to the bone. I'm like, do you even warm up? Like I spend, <laughs> I, you know, I'll play for thirty minutes and I'll warm up for forty minutes just to get my voice good enough to like get through the set. You know, I, I take these things seriously. And I he's think, like, nah, I, he, he doesn't. I was like, he's trying to make me feel better. Being like, no, no, I'll sing a couple songs, whatever. I'm like, no, you don't warm up. Yeah. And that kind of pisses me off, dude. Yeah. You know, and that. he's yeah. like one of those artists to the bones. Like, he's yeah. even hard to like, um, you know, when we did the interview, it's like, it's just hard to like, you know, you just want to like tie him down. Yeah. Like, let's talk, dude. Um, what a voice, though. Like, but oh, yeah. just yeah. natural and creative and, you know, it's it, I always saw bands try and like sing and scream. Often they do it poorly, <laughs> but the guys I know, I mean, it's just I, I am I I always think am I biased? But like Dow from Glassjaw, Tim from VOD, yeah, they do it fantastic. Yep. I'm like, we could just maybe Long Island could just claim that as our own. Like we do that well, <laughs> yeah. you know? but I can't scream like that. And they, me neither. Yeah, I can't do it. I would blow my voice out. Me These too. guys are naturals. You know, they're real, real naturals. Daryl walk on a stage. Tim has this too, and you'll wait. Mm-hmm. And you know, they don't really need to do anything. Like some guys will stand on their heads. Some guys have it, you know, mapped out. But they, it's an it's a, it's the it factor, and to have it coupled with good music. Because sometimes you have the it factor and a not very good band, you know, or you know, vice versa, or whatever. Yeah, but it it to see story. it, you know, yeah. move it moves the hair on the back of your neck, you know. And you know they set their bars really high, you know. So I I you know I'm I'm a fan, and we have history, and to hear them say that and say things like that to this day, like that yeah. that moves me. Yeah, you know? absolutely. I I remember yeah. reading Revolver magazine. You see that one? With yeah. Fucking, I'm like reading it. He named drops yeah. George, man. He's like, if it wasn't for fucking yeah. George, that was all those bands. <clears throat> I don't know what happened in those years, but all the bands were really different, and all the bands were really good, and it was competitive. I don't care what anyone says. Like if if you got your ass kicked by Glassjaw VOD and you were going on next, it hurt, and you worked harder. 
that doesn't mean you like hated them mm-hmm. or threw whiskey bottles at yeah. your band for not yeah. doing good, but that is like what propels you. Is Talk, like talking to you, Cold Chamber. <laughs> <laughs> and it was just good to be around that yeah. where people were like, you would put that other band on your show, mm-hmm. and you get your ass kicked, or yeah. maybe you would do better mm-hmm. it brings out the best in all of you that's it, healthy competitive nah, it, it does. there is a, a healthy yeah. competitive way to kind of like do that type of stuff that I, believe me when I play I, I want to be better than you right yeah and that might sound arrogant, but it's like, well, what are, them, what are you up there for? Uh, you know what you the know? audience benefits from that? Yeah. Everybody's putting, you know, 100% and putting a good show. And you could yeah. be all love when you don't. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. And you just, I mean, that doesn't mean you're, you're brooding for the next week. It just right. means like you're like, ah, didn't quite get that one. But yeah. that should move you to be better or hopefully, you know, be on the next show if right. you just fell apart or weren't as good. Yeah, you got to kick it up yeah. like the next show. But definitely, yeah. I always for all of us because we've all played in bands, and I think that's that's the way it is. Like certain bands that you just look at and you're like, all right, and like I see what you got. And I saw like, VOD yeah. two weeks ago Damn with uh, with Life of Agony. They were still killing you know, it. Yeah. <laughs> Tim walks on stage. He just grabs the mic and just the fucking place erupts. You know. He doesn't you know? say much. No, he doesn't. He doesn't need to. You know, uh, I feel like they've been around long enough that, like, if you don't know who they are now, like, what is the right, set but, list you know, like at, the, yeah. at this point? Where was I, it? Mulcahy's? Mulcahy's, yeah. And yeah. I mean, uh, run that down a little bit. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Uh, <laughs> you know, some, some, I mean, mainly new stuff, but I mean, they still, you know, they'll still pull out, you know, like Watch Out and DTO and stuff like right. that. Rhythm but, of the AK? No, I mean, not that, not that old. Then I'm playing, like, you know, society and shit off of the demo, but, uh, I mean, they still sound great. Brendan is still one of the fucking best drummers that I've ever heard. Incredible, you know. And, uh, and you know, Josh, I was about to say now that Josh is yeah. on second guitar and he goes fucking ape shit too when he's yeah. up there. It's like he, it's like he, you can almost see he enjoys playing one of his favorite band's songs. Absolutely, in so many words. Yeah, and then he was you on. Know. He wrote on the last record, right? I don't know. I feel I'm like, not sure. I think like he might have, and that was. Yeah. That was a good return. That was Life of Agony. Killed it. Yeah. Fucking killed it, man. Yeah. They just came out, and I was just like, holy shit, man. Just fucking killed it. Yeah, I saw the video from it, and I was just like, oh, shit, everyone sounds fucking great. So, Yeah. And the setup there is weird, because it's like, I guess like they have like the live area, but it's just like the bars are so prominent in there that it's like weird. Like, I remember seeing social distortion there, and that's fine, because you're not really moving too Mm -hmm. much to them. Right. for like VOD a life bag. Yeah, I, I mean, I, st- I stood in the back because I'm a fucking old man, but I could still see everything. Yeah. But <laughs> there's a lot of Long Island venues is weirdly set up and yeah. stuff, yeah. You know, with the exception of a few. Of them. But I haven't seen Life of Agony in a long yeah. time since the watch was there. If you, if, ever, if anybody had to know, the watch was there. It's so, always there. Shut the show Yeah, somehow he just like multiple. There's like four or five of him that goes out in a night. I feel like he just clones himself because he's somehow in every picture mm-hmm. yeah. that's you know what that's i'm gonna go with that theory. yeah, yeah. I think there's at least two more likely three of anthony venti <laughs> yeah it's like a gremlin right. you feed him right. after midnight yeah. his sprout. he's listening yeah. to this going like yeah motherfucker. Yeah. i want to make a coffee table book of <laughs> all the pitches the scary the icons yeah. <laughs> very so. photogenic yeah. in those mosh pits yeah, yeah. well because i always I said he's so tiny that he yeah. just rises like you could just like almost sneeze him up to the top <laughs> <laughs> funny, uh, funny glass show short story though. You were talking about the, uh, you know, being the competitive thing or whatever. I remember uh, 
you know, when Sky came falling and Glass Show started playing shows together, they yeah. were kind of like, oh, we're going to let's see who wins or whatever. And then like uh, we were doing well. And then they kind of, uh, you know, they did the the TBT demo with Don Fury. And I was right. just like, oh, damn, like kind of like uppercut, <laughs> uppercut. <laughs> and then uh, and then we went on a comp with Rancid. And I was just like, yo, we're on a comp with Rancid. And then right. my guitarist Cameron walks in because he went to college with Beck. And he's just like. They just fucking signed the Roadrunner, bro. I'm like, fuck. <laughs> that was the end of it. And they released that record. It yeah. was fucking awesome. Yeah, like, so. And they just blew up. Tour with that. the used yeah. and, you know, all that other stuff. As soon so. as you hit play on Pretty Lush, you're like, oh, my God. Yeah. You're like, I mean, I, I still love that Don yeah. Fury demo, too. That Me TBT too. demo. Yeah, I like oh, it. Shit was awesome. I, li- I think I liked Ross Robinson. It seemed like he just kind of, like, agitated them yeah. a little bit yeah. more than, than, than that's what I wanted yeah. or something. Or it didn't. And it. it I, I love that first record, yeah. you know, and the and the second one, Worship and Tribute, yes. from beginning to end. Yep, I love it. Yep, that, they yeah. tried a lot of cool different stuff. Oh yeah, it. it's yeah. almost like a separate band when that thing came out. You know, and I like a lot of the stuff they tried on that man. Like his his vocal range, like when he wanted to sing, you're like, oh, it got shit. better. Yep. Yeah, yeah. that one good, got man. better on them. Definitely. So and Warner Brother too. Like, oh yeah. Like fucking Warner Brothers, you know? and then you got That's fucking crazy. Manny from Still Suit, who's one of my all time favorite bass players, killing it. So yeah, you know, so. Uh, speaking of bass players, let's talk about Eric Avery. <laughs> yeah, right. we're gonna get it, about him. Yeah, we're gonna get, we're gonna get into Jane's addiction. Uh, we asked George to um, pick a band and like go through their discography and just list his uh, favorite to least favorite, least favorite to favorite um, records, and he picked Jane's Addiction. Yes, which um, I think is a great choice. So uh, I'm gonna yeah. shoot it over to you. As I sip on my Coppola wine. <laughs> so what, what do we do from least favorite? Yeah, least. Where's the first, right. man? Yeah. Well, they they have listed four studio albums, but anyone in the know knows there's five. Yes. Right. So, but we'll start out with the least favorite, which is their most recent, which is the great Escape Artist. And you know, you it sounds like Jane's Addiction. Right. Like it really does. Like there's there's almost nothing about it I can be like oh god that's so awful and even I hadn't listened to it in a while and I listened to it again because we were going to do this and I'm like you just do the same thing in your brain it's like Dave Navarro sounds great yeah wow Steve Perkins that was really good like there's you know nothing about it they have five records arguably (laughs) and they're one of those bands that I feel doesn't have a bad record they just have a rec you know records that are better than others yeah um because man, revisiting all those records because I knew we were going to do this, fucking Dave Navarro, like, oh, yeah. especially on the earlier stuff. But Jesus. amazing. But I, I like I like the the single they released on that, and uh, well, that was uh, end of the Li- end to the lies. Uh, that too. But I like Soulmate? the the no the uh, immovable object one. Right. Okay. Yeah, I like that track. Fucking yeah. great stuff. So, uh, I I'm, think you wrote me about that when it came out. Probably. Like texted me about it, and I was like, listened for a little bit. I was like. You know, when something moves you so much when you're younger, it's, yeah. it, it is hard, and it's partly your filter, yeah. you know, and that's, like, kind of on you. But I, I've definitely been like, all right, well, let me check this record out. And there's just something in it. I'm glad they didn't, like, well, let's try, you know, auto-tune. Like, whatever's, right. what's, what are the kids listening to these days? Right. You know, you, it's hard. You fault the band uh, if they just move away from what they always do. And then you fault them if they've you know, not moved away from what they always do. So it's like, but it just, it just feels like, I think um, Perry got that out of his system and some of his 
other like satellite oh, like, party. Did you hear that? Oh yeah, that's right. Yeah. I forgot oh, about that. God. Nuno Betancourt on guitar. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, but the thing with with, with yeah. them, um, they they have one of those careers that they waited like a hundred years in between records yes. right so it's like you never know what you're gonna get you're gonna throw everyone back in a room and you're gonna start writing songs yeah. fucking like <clears throat> what like 13 years later yeah and then well, they broke again. up the peak of their powers like yeah. the, you know right there you never know right. you just like you're just older like right. the songs that i write at 39 are different than the ones i wrote at well, i say it all the time yeah. too it's just it's so hard for a band like you know, Jane's Addiction, a band we all grew up on, to come back and release an album that's gonna <laughs> yeah. be better to you than those ones that were that you came up with. Yeah. It's next to impossible. Oh, you yeah. know? of course. It's, I, in some of this, I dig through, and I'm like hmm. trying to find the fault, and I realize right. like there really isn't anything. Like I like no. they didn't put auto tune on it. Yeah. There were times that when they released um, that. Uh, there was like the live record. Mm-hmm. Um, it was like um, not Cabinet of Curiosities. It was Kettle, uh, Whistle. Kettle Whistle. Kettle, yeah, Kettle. I like and that they put record. in that electronic stuff, and like that was a mistake. Yeah, you have you have Stephen Perkins. You don't need a, a drum machine, dude. Mm-hmm. So that's a mistake. But you know, I'm gonna listen to the Great Escape and Strays, which is number four. Right. Um, similar problem. You mm-hmm. you're going like not really anything off here, but maybe um just the fierceness of Jane's addiction when they were younger. Right. It's hard to hold that sure. for for ferocity. Is that sure. a word? I think they ferocity. really came yes. close yeah. on strays. <laughs> I, I think they they you know, there was a lot of They didn't have Eric Avery on that, right? No. They, that was the no, guy he's from been... Porno for Pyros. But that's the first Martin... record he played on with them. Yeah, Chris he... Cheney or no I Martin... can't remember his name. He I think Chris Cheney was Pyros. on these these records. Martin oh, Noble was Oh okay, okay. okay. Yep. But the opening track on Stray is and great. Yeah, great. Amazing. Um but funny enough, man, Entourage. I know. Yeah. That fucking song is terrible. <laughs> I don't give a shit. It's like it's... Awful. It, yeah, it's just not. The fucking that? show is terrible. <laughs> Superhero. It deserves I love the show. show. You do you? I do. Oh fuck that show. I do. Sorry. I'm just saying. You know, it's 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 no first and ten. You know, it's not. Right. It's no dream on. <laughs> dream on. Great do you show. Have first and ten. Yeah, you have Dream On. Yeah, oh I do. Like, yeah, yeah. That's why I pointed. Hello. I don't have Dream On though, so next Christmas maybe. On We're the fire still stick. Holds I, up. On the yeah. fire stick, I've been looking for first and ten. Yeah. And I can't S- get it. See? It's the one I HBO told you that show. shit wasn't worth the money. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Thirty nine wow. bucks. No, I know. <laughs> I actually saw James on that Strays tour. They played the Garden so, right after, like nine eleven. It was October, of that year, I believe. Oh really? I really? Think that's, yeah. I saw them at Jones Beach. Yeah. Like, uh, uh, yeah. They were great. Flea was playing bass, I want to say. That makes sense, yeah. My memory's so bad, but yeah, I think he toured with them for a while. Yeah, and I mean, it's it funny because Dave, Nav- Dave Navarro yeah, joined the great. Chili Peppers. <laughs> so. right. It's like they flipped they the script. Switched. Yeah. Ugh. I saw them at um, during, on the, <laughs> that Strays tour. A lot of blues. It was like reinvigorated, yes, and it was Jones it, Beach. I think that was like 06. <clears throat> 03. Oh, 03 or 04 or something like that. That wasn't Stray's Tour? The one that held that? I saw Madison Square Garden was 91 or 92. That no, was like James. Are you off by 10 rituals. years no, out of that? No, I did see them after in October. Put that other earbud in your ear. 
I think you're right. Oh, oh no, I I saw, you're right. You're right. Yeah. I saw that too. That's yeah. why I know you're right. See? Holy <laughs> shit. And they did um like D- Dave Navarro's like he had a hit single by himself. Yeah. Remember that? Yeah, that's one song. And they came out in the middle of the thing that yeah. Jane says, I, I think. With I'm the, a, yeah, yeah. yeah. Yep. It was it was good. See, I don't know why. He, he has yeah. a <laughs> he has a really interesting documentary. Um, is Carmen Electra in it? Oh, about his mother. <laughs> his mom. Oh, his yeah. mom yeah. murdered. Yeah. Um, I think it's on Netflix. I forgot the name of it. And um, Morning Sun. Yes, mm-hmm. that's mm-hmm. what it was. Yeah. Yeah, man, that's some deep, deep shit. But okay. I haven't seen it. I just yeah. know the name. You gotta, you gotta check that out. So, all right. Yeah, so number good. four, and what, what do we got? Number three. Number three is, is where it gets controversial. All right. This is okay. you know it depends on. On your mood, but we'll, we'll stop fight. the podcast right now. <laughs> <laughs> I can back all these choices up, Sam. Uh, nothing shocking. Ooh. Ooh. God damn. Wow. That's number three. That's brutal. And I'll tell you what. Shocker. Everything's shocking right now. <laughs> yeah. I don't know what to believe anymore. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's my number one. Nothing shocking is, is great. And this is like the theory of band should only have three records. One, two, and three. Wow. Nothing shocking has all the songs, everything. Yeah. But if I'm comparing it down the line to the next two, it's just a production thing. I think the production on Ritual is better. And the what they captured on the first Triple X record is better. Yeah. So, I mean, that's kind of the like I'm splitting hairs okay. in a way. No, of course. Oh, hey, to your, to your list. It's, it's man. your list. What yeah. affects you, yeah. Right. I'm, I guess I feel like I'm trying to make you guys feel better. Oh, no, no, no. Not <laughs> about list, my choices. Man. Yeah, yeah. Um, you did say three records, though. I fucking, I obviously, Kiss didn't get that fucking memo, yeah. you know? Only You'll never make records. us yeah. feel better. We're just angry nerds. Right? <laughs> That's kind of true. Know. Three yeah. records, be done. That's Smashing it. Smashing Pumpkins. Jane's for me. That, that, that nothing shocking was really my first total exposure to them. Uh, that was like 89 right 88 I want to say but I'm not positive I think it's 88 oh wow okay but I mean for me it was you know we always talked about like BC Boys License Sale and Guns N' Roses was that album that everybody had and uh, you know the jocks or whatever and this and that different for me like nothing shocking was an album that all the outside there like my friends are like art school girls and the punk kids and the metalheads there was something for just us and right. we all there was something for everybody on it. It fits so many genres. We all loved it. I mean, from top to bottom, it goes to so many different places. It, Genre you know, defying. Yeah. Um just like I remember. Nobody hearing, knew what to make of it. No one it, did. It was genreless. Almost. It was. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It was this weird fucking thing and it was just like I like Jane's. And like you hear like mountain song and you're like mm. what the fuck and then you hear right. ted just admitted yeah and then you hear summertime rolls yeah and then you hear jane says and you're like how the fuck like, these songs are so yeah like, like you weren't supposed to play acoustic and and also uh, play like really there was zero rules zero, zero formula rules. and i remember like you know mountain songs like a heavy song and some like meathead friends mm-hmm. of mine they're like wow this is good and stuff and then i had that <laughs> Was that Soul Kiss video? Yeah, and, yeah. Where they're like making out with each other, and then it's yeah. like they don't know what the fuck to make they're of like, this. Yeah. <laughs> Wait All a right, minute. Enough back to the priest. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I thought they were cool. No, but like they, they just when you thought they were something, they were something else. Yeah. Like it, it, you know, they couldn't be put in a slot. And and it's like weird and corny to say sometimes, but it's like man, that band really deserved it because it's like they weren't. They were like from like a school of like 
they were just like a, a mixture of everything. It was a and, lot shoved but, And then ahead, like Perry Fowl was like not a good looking dude, right? right. And Speak he didn't have yourself. a great voice. And Girls he like the style, dyed his, style though. He had, style. he had dreadlocks yeah. back in 86, 87. Then put a ring through his nose. I mean, this doesn't yeah. scream yeah. like Fishnet Warner Brothers stockings. Records. This no. is not what people were looking for. Right. But it was a time where you had to work your ass off in the clubs and a fierce loyal following that yeah. was rabid and that's like you know w- with nothing shocking it's like it probably would make sense if you saw the band mm-hmm. you know but just but the record stands on its own as well like you know it's starting with like up the beach right and then yeah. getting into things like mountain song like the bands that just start off with a bass line like that they don't really hear yeah. that anymore yeah and sure. it's so powerful and just the summertime rolls summertime rolls just, yeah man. it's a Fuck. real like beautiful song yeah yeah. And what a unique voice, you know? I mean, Mine or his? <laughs> you got him to sing again. Yeah. Every, Every fucking episode, episode. man. <laughs> Sam unplugged. Sam sings, talk about Alex, talk about Metallica. Dan they Terror. Come up yeah, fucking Terror. Yeah, that's it. That's, those are four. Does so. Tan Terror know that Van Halen has more than three albums? Because that could break his fucking heart right there. Because for unlawful carnal knowledge is what, like 13, probably? Okay. <laughs> probably. <laughs> So, um, yes. all right, number two. The first record they put out, uh-huh. which was the Triple X record, yeah. which was recorded live, quote unquote, mm-hmm. at the club's, uh, it was called Scream in LA. And they were actually signed to Warner Brothers, I don't, I don't know, like to do the Nothing Shocking record. And they insisted on doing a live record. Oh, is that the story? Behind yeah. That? Wow. And so they took four grand from their advance (laughs) and it was like Warner Brothers paid for this, this first record and they didn't even really realize it. And they went back in and they overdubbed everything. They actually took, um, the applause that you hear in between the song is stolen from a Los Lobos record. Remember Los Lobos? Yeah. 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 And they like dubbed all that in, but it's like, (laughs) (laughs) I was listening to La Bamba last nice. night. Nice. <laughs> well, Sam, have you ever heard? You yeah. Know, let's let's turn this over to Sam. Uh oh. Of course. Uh-oh. Resident Spanish. <laughs> Sam, rank your favorite Los Lobos <laughs> records. <laughs> Tune in next week. <laughs> I was thinking of doing Slayer, to be honest. Nice. Yeah. But Either yeah, one. I mean, the Jane says is on there, yeah. you know, and that's. I think it's a better version than on Nothing Shock, and that's kind of like the split in Harris. Triple Away is such a great. Yeah. Way to kick that off too. And then chip away the way it ends with that tribal, like it's incredible. Like where the hell did that come from? And it was, you know, there's records that are ahead of their time and leave the pack. It's it's like a decade ahead, or it's just otherworldly. Absolutely. And the sound of it sounds a little bit more like them live than nothing. Shocking is the big reverb, Mm -hmm. big big sound. Right, Right. You know. So that's kind of the like just a little bit difference that that I like in that yeah. record. You just put it on and it's a whole show. Sure. And Pigs and Zen yeah. is yeah. like, you know, the guy. I saw Jane's in 1990 at the Ritz. Nice. Like just a friend of mine liked him. I knew standing in the shower thinking, Ritual had come out. I I, I think, mm-hmm. but I didn't know anything about it. And I just grew up on hardcore shows. I grew up Murphy's Law. I knew the best frontman ever was all those hardcore bands. We were in small places. That singer seemed like he talked right to me. But this was a big show. Right. And I never saw a singer like that. Yeah. That singer still seemed like he was talking to like an unrehearsed conversation. Mm-hmm. And I thought it was going to be some a big concert, not a show. Right. And that fell in love with it because it was just this, <clears throat> it was a mixture. 
of at the time a lot of bands were trying to do masculine and feminine mm-hmm. and they were just not nailing it it was forced it was forced and they were just trying to like do something about like trying to get quiet and soft and then try and get loud mm-hmm. and the pixies formula y- yeah it was just you know thought out <laughs> right. but with jane's addiction it was beautiful and you didn't think those guys wouldn't throw fists <laughs> they didn't yeah. seem like they were soft they were just this kind of combination of, uh, like I said, like masculine and feminine and like not afraid, like Perry Farrell will come out in a dress. Mm-hmm. Like that's not something that I would be like, oh, that's awesome <laughs> ever. Right. But he did it and I thought that was pretty awesome. Yeah. And He it's, owns it, whatever he does. He very much owns it. All, yeah. And, yeah. and all four of them are like, I mean, they're just fucking so good at their, their thing. Yeah. Whether it be like Perkins or Avery or Dave Navarro or Perry, like they were just... And now, what the controversy was that being their first album? Is that what? Oh no, I was just I was just saying. Everyone like kind of. I saw on your Facebook thread today. Oh no, the but arguments yeah. going back. No, and no, that, that doesn't. People. I was saying. Oh, well, okay. the mood in here dropped when I said nothing shocked. Yeah, <laughs> everyone wanted that to be number one. That's what I thought. Realize it or not? One. Yeah. But number one, I think, is Ritual yeah. because it is the sound, like the production of mm. it. It's a little bit less like on the reverb side and just like. Uh, what was going on in the 80s even though well, I came right. out it's yeah. a little bit more raw yeah as opposed to nothing shocking yeah and there's the whole which doesn't exist anymore like side b okay where like you you go on and it's like it's got three days yeah and then she did it almost yep. feels like that first part of the record is like so fierce except then, being caught stealing is awful i hate that song god bless you <laughs> just the worst song. okay yes <laughs> When it came out. When it came out, but still, for that to be a hit single, it's such a weird fucking song. It is. The video was cool. Oh, video was awesome. But it's just such a weird song that somehow became a hit single, and they'll still play the shit out of it. Yeah. You know, like, it's not like, Mm -hmm. it's not a conventional hit, and that's, like, true to form to them. Like, somehow they just were like, fuck it. I I think the song is awful, though. I'm not just like, oh, I'm like a cool fan, so I have to hate. Did you hate it like upon first hearing? Right up front. Right off the bat. Like, stop. It makes no sense why it's a song. It's just so good. Yeah. It doesn't follow anything. It's great. Yeah. You know, and then. It's got the long intro. Yeah. Senoras y senores. Yeah. It's why is, you know. I think that was from Los Lobos. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, then it, side B just like it had the thing you flip the record over and then now it's more mellow and it's three days is like stairway to heaven. Yeah. You know, and then there's just it. So that's why for me, it's like number one. It's like the sound. It's hard to songs. that. It's yeah. hard. Like the, those for three. For me, nothing shocking and ritual are interchangeable. So, same right. thing. Yeah. The, the three. The yeah. three of them. Because even with the two covers. On on the that that triple X one, mm-hmm. um, I mean you can't go wrong with no. any of the rotation of those first three. Yeah. So and then the same thing to me. That's you know uh, Strays I think is better than the recent ones. So. But I, do you know I, what their biggest selling record was? Uh jeez, I I feel like I'm gonna get this wrong. So let me think. Uh, I wouldn't ask you if I thought you were gonna get it right. <laughs> <laughs> the great escape artist. Strays. Oh, was it? Oh, yeah, oh, because of Entourage. Everyone was waiting for it, too. Right? I was thinking oh, because of Entourage. Entourage. Yeah. But okay. I always think Ritual just has more years on it. You figured it would it would, it would, would pass, yeah. but Strays was the biggest selling record. Maybe it was That's just the time, I, Lollapalooza, a lot of touring. I went to that first Lollapalooza. And, um, Me too. Uh, in 
Jersey? Jersey, yeah. Camp, we drove that day. We picked yeah. up tickets and Ridge just drove up there. No big deal. What, it like some video store or some shit? Tobacco. EJ's Tobacco. Oh, Ridge. man. I loved when you would buy those tickets. <laughs> we went places. To, my friend's just like, you want to go to this Lollapalooza thing? Because that was the last year it was like that. Because then the next year, I think, is when the uh, Pearl Jam and whatever, and it blew Yeah, the I think fuck it was up. in two, yeah. But uh, them pl- three days. I can go back to it in my head right now when they played three days. Like, it's probably easily in the top five concert experiences I've ever had hearing that song live. Because it's so, it's such an epic build up to yeah. the end of it. I mean, I'm getting goosebumps right now thinking about yeah. it. That's the kind of band they were. I thought at that time, too, they would, like, they could be like a, like a, like a fish. Mm. You know what I mean? Oh, like yeah. a band like that where. But they good. have their own fans. They're just into them. But they broke <laughs> up, you know. But if right. they. It, that's what I thought. I was like, I've never seen this. I've never seen like this is just their, your own thing. You know, mm-hmm. we didn't know it was going to turn into like alternative rock world and all of that. But right. I was like, this this is going to be a band that people just follow. Like, like instead of parrot heads, yeah. it's Perry heads. Yeah. <laughs> what? What? No, on second thought, behind? scratch what I'm glad that didn't happen. <laughs> <laughs> so bad. What What was the story with that breakup? Does anybody know? I mean, I've read bios on all kinds of bands, but I'm not familiar with why know. they folded exactly. Well, th- there was, was a Perry lot. Of... Just wanted to go solo. The Porno for Pyros thing was it? I could tell you if you really want. Yeah, to. yeah. yeah. Uh, please. Listen, we have time. Yes. <laughs> I mean, there was an addiction problem. And right. Dave and Eric were starting to feel like they should not be doing that. So they were like off to the side. And Perry's like, ah, who cares? Drugs, sex, drugs, and rock and roll. There's that. There's also the money thing. Mm-hmm. There was like a publishing split where Perry's like, I'm taking all this because I, I did most of the work. So there was like a, a monetary thing. Perry also was very like um, that Lollapalooza tour is like he got a lot of money from that. I mean, he created the idea. Right. But if you're in the band... There was some of that money issues, and Perry Farrell himself would admit that he's just like a narcissist that's tough to get along with, right. you know. So, uh, you know, it's always the thing. It's like if you meet someone that you're a fan of. Like I, I met Perry Farrell once, but if you hung out with Perry Farrell, it's probably a nightmare. You know what I mean? It's right. it's it's probably not good being in a band with a guy like that. Is in the is, bus is not that much fun. Yeah, you know, yeah. like, like I just <laughs> make your art and I'll listen to your records, but I don't want to hang out with you. You know, like right. that's kind yeah. of. So I'm sure they were all, but they always do the same thing. And they always break up again. Yeah, because it's you know just a bunch of incredible egos. But I think Perry Farrell was a lot older than them. He's twenty. He was like twenty seven, and oh, they yeah. were all like nineteen and twenty, I believe. Oh, so he was sunning them. He was kind of sunning them, and he's like a you know like a like a entrepreneur yeah. on some level of like all this money, and probably if you're in the band, you don't get all that, you don't understand all that. I mean, and um, there was just all these like different types of issues, you know. So, so. Porno for Pyros put out a pretty damn good record. The that first was one, a great record. The second one yeah. kind of sucked. Had a couple of good aside songs from Tahitian Moon. Tahitian Moon, I like, but, but yeah, the overall, first Porno for Pyros is like cursed female. Like those songs were fucking great. I it's mean, Jane's addiction. It's a Jane's addiction yeah. record. <clears throat> it's like yeah. the guitarist listened to Jane's addiction. Like yeah. listen to Dave Navarro. I felt like you know, and he became well, a Perkins, junkie. Did Perkins play? Yeah, yes, it was Perkins yeah, and, and right, Perry. Right, I saw them on that tour too, and they were killer. I didn't like, miss a step. Porno for Pyros at Roseland was one of the best shows I've ever seen. Who played with them on that? Flaming Lips. Yes. That was wow. a killer fucking show. Oh, wait, show, no. That, man. Flaming Lips might open for, with, for Jane's. I don't know. Everything's blurring. 
Like, what, you don't right remember 1993? If you remember the 90s, Sam, you weren't there. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> All that brown acid. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I, the guy's legacy is going to be Lollapalooza as well. I mm. think that's huge. You know, like Lollapalooza was, aside from Woodstock, that's pretty much like the the... It right. was the, the alternative traveling festival. And, and everything spawned from there. And the fact to have so many, you know, that it wasn't a vanilla lineup as far as, you know, you'd have a rap artist, you would have, you know, a metal artist, the industrial, you know, it's punk. It was, he, did, he it was basically copied off of European tours, right. Reading. Sure. You know, where it seems so obvious now, we'll just take different types of bands and put them all together. At the right. time, it was like, you can't do that but if you went to europe that's what they did yeah you know it was like well it makes business sense because you're dipping into a whole bunch of different you know pools to get their money i yeah. think <laughs> i think you want to reach the people that like different type of shit like you know i think i'd like to think that there's more of us that could watch ministry and ice cube back to back and be just as psyched sure you know and i think that was Maybe that was like the gateway to a lot of people, you know. It's mm. like it got exposed people to, you know, because uh, <clears throat> as as in high school or even like earlier than that, like it was just so like me versus you, you know. Yeah. It's like right. wait, you like that? It's like no, no, that's terrible. Absolutely. And it was only like that one genre, you know. It's totally. Like, it was Cause, like cause wait, I re- the thing I remember the most with high rap school. Rap is crap. Yeah, that whole thing, <laughs> I, which is ridiculous now, but like. Being a metalhead growing up, and I had friends who were into the punk scene or whatever, and like there was like beef there. Yeah, yeah. You know, there was a day where like you know metalheads going to a punk show, or whatever. You get your fucking ass kicked, or vice versa, or whatever. It's like you guys are like complete outcasts from society, and yeah. we are, and we're gonna like beef. Yeah, <laughs> everyone else hates us. Like, why? Why do we have that problem? Yeah. We have more in common than we don't. Completely. Like, you know. But I think I, I like I grew out of that by like thirteen, maybe. Mm-hmm. You know, um, because before that it was just like, oh, you like Skid Row, and you're not allowed to like fucking Technotronic, <laughs> you know, yeah. pump up the jam or you're, whatever. You're not allowed to like great yeah. fucking concert right there. <laughs> what Technotronic? Yeah, I'd, and Skid Row, yeah. <laughs> Let's do it, baby. Who what, opened? Well, okay, you- he's two weeks. <laughs> as long as Sebastian wait, who Bach- opened? You said Shannon. 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 As long as Sebastian Bach is playing with them, I don't care. I'll see them. Me but, too. But they never do. No, yeah, so. that should. I would listen to him read the phone book. Yeah. He's, <laughs> he's uh like when they did that VH1 show, Super Group, right? That's yeah. what it was called. Right. Savage yeah. Animal, man. Yeah. Yo, he Savage was so Animal. happy. So great. He was so fucking happy with that name. So he was great. like, Savage, Savage Animal. Animal. Yeah. Are you fucking Savage Animal? Animal. And, like, and the everyone's disgust like, level of everybody yeah. growing every week with yeah. this guy, like, oh, everyone's fuck. like, oh my fucking god, and he's on every it, fucking band VHS. I love that guy, but yeah, because <laughs> he could sing and belt it out. But yeah, I think he's definitely yeah. like a fucking guy. Did Phantom of the Opera? Remember that yeah. when he did that? Yeah. He also tied his dick in a knot on the Stern show. Yes. Did he? Yeah, I missed that one. That's <laughs> why he was on Broadway, <laughs> man. <laughs> 
talent, you yeah. know, from beginning to end. Yeah, you know, that's why he was on Broadway. <laughs> yeah. Wasn't that the puppetry penis episode? Those guys from Australia. Is that the way you, you can get your that. voice? Maybe. Yeah, maybe. Huh? You know, that's fucked up to here's learn how I sang, Here's how I sang <laughs> You've Gone Wild. Check it out. How far? <laughs> How'd you hit those notes for uh, Youth Gone Wild? Hold on. Let, let me, me show you something. God damn it. No. To tie uh, your dick in a knot, I would imagine your dick needs to be pretty fucking long. Uh, <laughs> like a shoelace or something. It, it gives you a lot of, of details you didn't ask for. What kind of knot? There's lots of different kinds of knots. <laughs> is that really? Yeah, you were in the Was Boy he a Boy Scouts? Scouts? <laughs> I don't, oh, yeah. No, I don't know. This is how I would tie my boat to the dock. <laughs> my first trick. A- any knot is going to require excess <laughs> yeah. rope or so. penis. Mm. So. Shout out to Sebastian, Sebastian Box penis. Oh, yeah, no, definitely. Uh, all right, so we're going to take a break, on and then we're going <laughs> to, on that note, we're going to take a break, right? No one had anything else, right? No. Uh, I mean, so we finished with dicks, so what else is there? Yeah. yeah where do you go from there? <laughs> I'm going to have take... a cigarette outside. <laughs> we're going to take a break and then uh, talk to George about all his awesome bands. Yes. Sweet. All right, cool. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, we're back. We're back. We're back. Um, we're back here with George Reynolds, and we're talking about Silicon Valley. And uh, I don't watch it, but my girlfriend likes it. And dude, I, it's I, fu- every fucking episode. I mean, there's. I'll be laying there in bed, and I fucking laugh so hard that like Sarah's just like, "Shut up, dick!" Like the fucking <laughs> bed vibrates. You know? <laughs> yeah, because my fucking stupid Irishman laugh. <laughs> you know, like a fucking drunken witch on you know. Uh, lucky charms. Yeah, pretty much. Pretty much. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I I was laughing when I watched um, Scout's Guide to the Apocalypse oh, for like the hundredth yeah, time, yeah. and like Karen's like, "You've seen this movie three times. Why are you still laughing?" Mm-hmm. I'm like, "But it's a prosthetic penis." Yes. And they're yanking. Yes. It, and it's <laughs> hilarious. She's like, "You fucking retarded. Uh, <laughs> What's wrong with I you?" I mean, when I started watching Silicon Valley, like I went into it, I'm just like. There's no way that I'm going to laugh as much as I did watching Eastbound and Down, and it's pretty fucking close. Holy Different, shit. Different, you know, yeah. Yeah, yeah, forms yeah. of comedy, but it's still fucking pretty funny. When it's Dan, just like know? nerd humor. Yeah, it's just yeah. Like, it's, and like, it's just super dry. T.J. Miller, like, I just look at him and I fucking laugh. He's the funniest I, yeah, one. Yeah. Like. <laughs> um, so, okay. Like I said, we have George here, and um, I got to ask you, when you were growing up, did you think that this is what you were going to do? No, not even close. Really? So yeah. how, how did the music kick it off in, in your life? In Lindenhurst, Just, right? Um, going to hardcore shows. Uh-huh. You know, I had a friend who was really into punk rock and hardcore. And I was really into skateboarding, but wasn't in, really into the music. I just got into skateboarding. And we sort of switch, like shared he was into Dead Kennedys and Butthole Surfers and all this. And I was into skateboarding. And, you know, skateboarding at the time was like, a, you know, just part of that punk rock, like, subculture. And we shared. And then it was just, I was like 14 years old. And he was like, hey, um, there's a show. You want to go? And he really hadn't gone. And I hadn't gone. He, I, If I was 14, he was like 15. It was a show at Hunter College in Manhattan, Rock Against Racism. And we went, and then once you get into punk and hardcore, like there's that feeling of like, hey, I could do that, and that's really what happened. Is just what was the, who was playing, False Prophets, um, Apple, um, Nausea. Uh, it was all like true punk rock bands. Yeah, 
And then, like, the first hardcore show I went to was Token Entry okay. and In Your Face at Sundance. Like, after that, went to, like, a punk show. And then, at, like, you know, maybe I was 14. And maybe, like, 15, I went to Sundance and Bayshore and saw our hardcore bands. And that was, like, a whole, you know, world open to me. Yeah. And, you know, it was just watching 50 kids pile on the singer. It wasn't on MTV. It's it was powerful. No, well... It's awful unless you're 15 with a bunch of testosterone. <laughs> yeah, but I'm, I'm saying like when when you first see something like that, it's just like, uh, you know, you almost feel like it is something to really see. You're like, oh shit, these people like it's just like the passion and the love for these lyrics and and like you said, it might be, you know, no one knows them except for the people in that room. Right. But it's huge. It's such a like a. I think it's the intimacy between the band. There's not a big divide between the bands and the fans. That it, it, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like those lyrics, everything. It's a part of them. They can. They're part of it. You know. They're and everyone there is the feeling their own Almost, thing. Yeah. You know, everyone there is having some kind of weird. Um, is cathartic the word? You know, like mm-hmm. depending on what you're going through. Like sure. these words mean something to everyone in there. Um, and that's awesome. Like when you first it, see it, you're like, "Holy shit!" Mm-hmm. It's you know, it's big and it's loud, and it was eighty nine, wow. I think. So you didn't see it on MTV quite yet. So you know, there was just a lot going on, and it drew me in. I mean, the violence drew me in. Fist fights at shows. Like I never like got into it thinking like, "Oh, I'm, I just I, I believe in unity." It had zero to do with that. It was like. I felt like a misfit and this was the soundtrack. This is the demons in my head. Yeah. And it was louder than the demons in my head. And it was just, you know, that attractive. So when you went to a show, it felt like you were doing something really underground and it just translated. You, you asked me like how I got to sing was that eventually you're like, I think I can do that. And if you have no talent, if you don't sing, you don't play drums. Yeah. You wind up being the singer. That's it. You're That's what happens. You're like, eh, I was always pretty good with words and whatever. So that's it's cheaper too. That... You don't have to buy a bunch of gear and shit. It's yeah. the best gig ever. <laughs> you, know, you don't have to lug shit around, you know. And and uh, man, I, like your vocal styling, like I said, it definitely has that abrasiveness. Like I feel like it it hits you over the head. I don't know, it's just powerful, like, completely. And I could see, like, those hardcore influences definitely on, on a lot of those uh, records that you've been on. So um, do you remember, like, the first band that you sang in? Might have mattered. Was it? Yeah. Wild. <laughs> yeah. How old were you? 19. Oh, no, 18. I was still in high school, and we were just... It was like people I knew from hardcore shows, like Artie Shepard, Eddie Reyes, that mm-hmm. was in Taking Back Sunday. He was in everything. He was in everything. <laughs> yeah. John LaFada. And I remember being at a show, actually like connecting a few of them. And there's debates about how this all started. But <laughs> clearly, I'm right. Yeah. Um, but um, And then they had a, an original singer. This guy, Mike Richardson, who's probably not listening right now. but uh, Oh, he's here. <laughs> he's here in spirit. Yeah. But no, he's... You know, I talked to him on Facebook, but he was going to be their singer. And then he just kind of like didn't want to do it. And then I went there. I remember like singing with other people's lyrics, just trying to like figure out how to sing. But it's a hardcore band. You just, hardcore has that thing where you really can go out and spirit. It's, you know, a bunch of people that don't know how to play 
would like something to say, mm-hmm. you know, so um, you can get by on that for a little bit. And we did until you figure out, like, I do have something to say, you know, and the guys in the band are. What, were were they formed together as a band? And then you like, how well, how did it come together? Like you, you were part of the forming of it or like. Uh... it? Yeah, that's what I was like alluding to is like, um, I'm trying to remember. It's like. I think Artie and Eddie needed a drummer. Okay. And I like talked to them and said, John LaFada. Mm-hmm. And then they got Mike Richardson to sing. And and that was it. I wasn't in it. And then Mike didn't want to play. Right. And then I said, I'll do it. I remember even saying, like, I want this to be like fun, like, you know, like Murphy's Law. Right, right. Which, if you know mine or matter, it's the opposite. Yeah. Yeah. That's my memory of it, but. So it's kind of like a, about it. I might not be right. Just all fell together. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. it. You're right today. But there was yeah. like some connection. I remember John Lafada was a friend of mine. We went to school together, so it was like connecting with Eddie Reyes, mm-hmm. who's in Taking Back Sunday now, and like we just all like sort of knew each other. Was neglect around when when no, they started? Not at that time. They started maybe a year or two after Mind of Matter started playing. And John was the the drummer from day one, right? Yes. Okay. Mm-hmm. I remember John calling me. He's like, you know, uh, we got a show or something. We played at Sundance on like a Sunday afternoon. Yeah. And it was like, no, wait, I called him. <laughs> I got the show. I called him. You see how, you know. Yeah, it was fight. a long time ago. Like, yeah. What are but, we uh, talking about here? Like 25? It was 26 years ago? Yeah. Like more than sh- that's why you don't remember. It's all right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah definitely. A friend of mine, a couple of friends had bands, and they were like, hey, you want to play? <clears throat> and we were able to play like a Sunday matinee at Sundance. So, we, you know, just trying to capitalize on like the hardcore matinee thing. So we got offered to do the show, and we did it, and we sucked. I mean, it was just awful. I mean, for the first two years of doing this. And you guys were Mind Over Matter from day one? Yeah. Who came up with the name? Good question. <laughs> <laughs> I I don't know. I didn't think I would be hitting you with curveballs. Like, <laughs> the first thing that jumped into my mind was John Lafada, the drummer. Uh-huh. But I don't know. Okay. I don't know. That's it. I'll text Artie later. See yeah. what he says. <laughs> but I think it took, like, for me personally, like two years to even get comfortable being on a stage. You, you don't even realize that you get on stage, you're emulating people. Of course. You're just yeah. emulating whatever you think you should be. What you're doing you the emulating? opposite of what you think is good to not be emulating someone. It's just a mess. Would you have yeah. HR in your head? No, yeah. not even. Not even. I think I was like, um, I have to be like stoic and okay. non-emotional, which is like the easiest path to take because that just means you stand there. Like yeah. Nick Cave. <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah. Like, yeah, like Nick Cave. Yeah, I mean, I <laughs> wouldn't like even... who would be like you know yeah I think what you're saying like uh, as far Who's as a style like a stage presence or was there a, guys you looked up to or people you wanted a style you wanted to emulate or you were just going for your own thing straight off the bat at first you know I didn't know right you know but in the end the best front men I've ever seen which you just can't get near is Jimmy Gestapo Murphy's Law yeah he's great just still, still does so it so good from beginning to end yeah. and that's someone who engages everyone <laughs> everyone it's yeah. it's amazing he should have his own show his own talk show he yeah. should have like a thousand <laughs> more things yeah um, I've but, never 
like I was never like a big Murphy's Law fan, but the times that I've seen them play, which is a bunch of times actually, that guy is definitely good. Yeah, like yeah. he looks like it's just the easiest thing in he the world. He owns that shit, man. He it's does, so man. natural, and everyone funny. has a good time from and the super front, funny. or if you're in the back, man, it's just. We played. Yeah. Might have might have played with Murphy's Law in Europe, in like '94 or '95 or whatever it was, uh-huh. and like nobody like really spoke the language. It was in Germany, right. and it was kind of just watching Jimmy Gestapo get. Every single person in that is hundreds of people, whatever it was, you know, like get them involved. And, mm. you know, it was, I hate to sound like a hundred, but it was before the internet. It was before you really are trying hard to like get yeah. people to understand you or they don't speak the language. It was phenomenal. And it was nothing to him. It's zero. It's zero like effort. He, that's just who he is. That's just what he does. Right. And, I mean, I loved that, everything from that to, like, you know, like we were talking about Perry Farrell. Mm-hmm. But there's also, you know, guys I admire. Like, if you just watch the Ramones, like, what? Yeah. They don't say anything. They don't do anything. <laughs> One, two, three, four. One, two, three, four. <laughs> That's, That's it. Yeah, definitely. There's an amount of, like, yeah. we were talking about earlier about music and, like, why I got into it. Like, I spent years just learning everything I could learn about what it would take to be a better front man, mm-hmm. which is learning neuro-linguistic programming, body language, how to spot a liar, you know, uh, eye language, everything I could think of. You did your homework. Yeah, totally. Just wow. to be, just to like- I remember could, this conversation because you told me, I was like, oh yeah, that's- That's, that's impressive, man. Everything. <laughs> yeah. And it was never, it was always like, even when I took a fir- my first days, even just trying yoga or breathing exercises, it would always like, be because I wanted to be better on stage. So I would watch comedians. Okay. Like, why does that guy say that? Wow. And that's funny. And the same guy, a uh, different guy says the same thing. It's not that funny. So and it's, it's a real whole, cerebral, like, uh, like psychology kind of take to. That was to, to, yeah. everything, you know, neuro-linguistic programming. Or I would listen to, uh, you know, FBI inter- interrogators. How would they get someone to admit or say something? And that was all just so that I could walk on a stage and be quiet, not say a word, and get the attention where I want. Misdirect. Magicians, comedians. This is all misdirection. Studied it. I mean, if you looked at my, you know, everything from my bookshelf to my iPod, mm-hmm. <laughs> audiobooks to this present day is always just about the brain and like right. how this works, you know, just taking courses or I took like an eight day silent retreat just to be in silence in Northern California in the desert. Yeah. Everything was always just to be a better band member, front man, whatever. I mean, forget about personal development. It was really about the band, you know, and that's part of what I was saying in the beginning of this interview is just like a podcast or like a stand up thing feeds that same thing that's been feeding it wasn't like i gotta get that melody right right you know right. wow that's great that's impressive yeah, man definitely yeah. the guy the guy uh you do took your homework <laughs> i wish i had half that work i think yeah. i wasted my time <laughs> playing guitar i should have done that so well, um, maybe one or two less bands Sam. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> all right so so you guys are kicking around uh under mind over matter you're playing some shows and what was the first thing you guys did was it the wreckage was the that, first thing was the EP on yeah, Wreckage EP. Records, yeah. Okay, yeah, yeah. What in the name of the EP though? 
There was one you might not have heard of okay. that was like half we recorded with them <clears throat> and then half was from the demo. And that was just like a self-titled whatever. And then the second one was Hectic Thinking. Yes. And it had Mindset Overhaul and all of that. I think more people know that. Yeah. And then the first album was Security. Security was like abrasive. Like it was just like, yeah. like those first three songs are as good as anything on any hardcore record ever. Um, and I, I've always like, when I hear the Mind Over Matter songs, I feel like I said, uh, you, you have this like distinct vocal style that, that I feel is uh, very much of like the old school hardcore vein. But then the music was always like completely different. It wasn't yeah. like, they didn't really play like a hardcore band. Right. Did you feel like you guys were doing something different? Yeah, I mean, because it was pretty that. around that time. It was I can't think of another band that sounded like you guys. Right. We wanted to be different, so you know there was like a in, intention that we were like, I mean, I, I grew up in Agnostic Front and Chromags, like you know, <clears throat> kind of like out of respect. You you can't redo that, but in hardcore, you can emulate whatever you want and do really really well. Like you can be a copy. I don't care what anyone says, but you can copy a band and have 200 people at your shows. Yeah. And we just, you know, I was surrounded by really talented guys. Like these are talented musicians. They can do whatever they wanted to do. And like they, you know, tried to push it a little bit. And we got into like, as much as we were into New York hardcore, we were also into like Born Against. It was a little bit more of the noise. Yes. ABC No Rio scene that like right. crept into the band. We loved <clears throat> Rorschach. Yeah. And, at the time, it was like most people didn't like both. You liked Sick of It All or you liked Born Against. Mm. We loved both. Yeah. And so we, we kind of like wanted the drums to hit hard and be on time, but have that noise come in. We loved, you know, Amphetamine Reptile too. It's just, you know, a lot of the noise was really like a change that was happening. And I liked effects. You know, I wanted more layers of vocals. When did you start using the pedals? I, I did that really early because of Brian Beale from Neglect. It, you know, everyone's like, oh, it's a Jane's Addiction thing. Yeah. <laughs> but it really wasn't. It was, um, you know, Neglect and Mind Matter practice in John's basement. And he hooked up all these pedals and stuff. And we just use it at practice and never do it live. And I figured out how to plug it in live. Yeah. And then I would do it live. And then, you know, eventually. It was it like, it's too. your signature. Like it's when you see those completely. Pedal. Yeah. Yeah, but it's just like it just I don't know, from every band that you went on to do. And it was, you know, part crutch and part pushing the envelope, but I thought it was cool. <clears throat> well, yeah, because a lot of that stuff you do on the record, I mean anyone, just you know, those are the things that you just do on record. And they don't you know, like whatever effects are on my vocals on I don't think about recreating them. Yeah. But it just worked so well because you're like, fuck it, why not? But some of those early shows, yeah. trying to figure out the delay pedal. Oh, of course. It's awful. When I listen back, I'm like, oh my God. <laughs> Somebody should just walked over and turned the level all the way down. Cause yeah. it's just to me it sounded great. I sounded like Robert Plant in my mind. Yeah. But it was just a mess. You know, but then you you know you figure out how to like work it. I, but I tried the delay pedal, and then I went to, like, effects racks, all those um, different vocal pedals. And I just always went back to a, a DD3, a DD2, digital um, guitar delay pedal. Okay. It's just the easiest, it's the quickest. But I had, like, rack-mountable effects, and it was just 
I'm like, I can't fuck. I, I don't know how to like program this or whatever. And I just always went back to yeah. the, that just one pedal. But like, you know, what what was going on in Long Island like in '93? Like, who were the peers that you guys were playing with? Like, I have to say, I I I, I hate listening to guys who are like, yo, back then it was so much better. Yeah, that's like an unattractive position to have. But there was just like a like a real peak with the PWAC, you know, and it was the for people who don't know people with AIDS coalition it was just like just picture a big warehouse where we were able to do whatever we want. There's a lot of shows and there was sort of like a smaller area. We could have smaller shows and you had at, at the time where bands could come and play the Roxy. We had a couple of instances where bands decided to skip the Roxy and play this warehouse that we had, you know, Fugazi skipped playing Stony Brook college to play the PWAC. And, you know, it was just, it was just a time. Like, I feel like everybody had a band they were like fanzines. It was almost a time like I remember like the fights back then. Like, oh, this is like a you know, um, <clears throat> like a like what's the word I'm looking for? Like there was like infighting with all different groups. There was so many groups that we could infight. I was like back then we just you know all the bands just watched each other. It was just wasn't enough of us to fight. Yeah, and there was so much going on that you know like I talked about before like bands were starting to do their own thing they were starting to get signed they were starting to really you know come up and it it pushes you you know might have matter broke up but when dating life started we got signed within 10 shows we did zero yeah and do you think that was signed. just like the the footwork of mind over matter it was because the a&r guy for building and Don Fury was the president of building. It was all from the stuff we had done before. But I figured, you know, my math is one or two years and then you'll get signed. Yeah. Yeah, of but course. we were barely doing anything. It was like we got signed. So wh- why did uh, Mind Over Matter break up after that record? I mean, <laughs> Mind Over Matter has like a collective self-confidence of like, <laughs> next to nothing of like a high school nerd so we were always like feeling like oh we're gonna break up we're gonna break up but Artie Shepard got asked to be in World's Walter's Fastest car yeah yeah. so that was like you know he got I mean the, if your favorite Walter singer of your Walter from Quicksand yeah. yeah Walter from Quicksand calls him this is our favorite band yeah calls hits hit you with the wand you know and he was like I wanna do that but we always just, you know, when we put out Auto, it was like people liked it, but it's that thing where you get more popular after you break up. And yeah. it definitely happened. Do you feel you like know. people didn't like it as much during it? Yeah. Yeah, I do. Yeah. Because, I mean, I, like going back to security, like that was, uh, that was a pretty goddamn good hardcore record, man. <laughs> you know? And, and Auto yeah. mani- and Manipulation <clears throat> was like, it just it was just different. Um, I love that record too, but I could see the the difference in the two. Like it was just an experimenting of of like sounds and more noise stuff. And it was a million road trips, tours, being with each other, showing each other music. Yeah, and going to Martin BC, who you know that producer for Automobilation had done John Zorn, Sonic Youth. Yeah, he did all of these like noise things, and he was really cool with what I wanted to do vocally. Where I love Don Fury, but Don Fury is like, got to be clean, got to do this. Martin Beasley was like, oh, I hear a, a delay on that third word. 
let's let's do that i'm like i didn't even hear that but let's do that you know like he was really experimental but like we got the the sort of like discipline from don fury to be like click track click be track. in tone and be like dude. do do all of these things that are really important and like have like martin bc be like all right well now let's play you yeah, let's play because he was more of like i guess like giving you production ideas yeah he was like well we'll do this we'll you know like all this stuff and and, and that was like what we needed and we had to do it in like six days like we got off on the right foot and we just like ran did you guys ever because like I, I know sometimes uh when, when somebody tries to give like production ideas in the studio that's not in the band is that like a thing that people fought because I, I know that's definitely probably like in my head <laughs> um you know i don't remember like, it ever being no? like i think especially with don fury it's like well he's don fury yeah you know and like you don't have the language like with don i was 19 i'd never been in the studio before you kind of like okay I think we all felt like security was half of what it could have been because we were. I was using the pedal. We were getting a little bit, and he was like, "No, no, no! Don't do, don't do all that. Like, we got to make it cleaner." Because he had done all those hardcore records. So, like, I get where he was coming from, and we said yes. So that's that's what that record was, and it, it's good enough. But when we were going to do auto, we were like, "There's no. We have to like do what we've been talking about. Like, we all knew that we would just." ramping up to something different to something different yeah and, and that's so out of the two i guess that's the one that you feel that's my favorite that's yeah. your favorite mm-hmm. what's your favorite song off that the sing um automatic crowd and it's funny because i already uses that for his podcast yeah yeah, yeah. that's that's the title of it that's <clears throat> probably kind of the best song on the were you my favorite at that point no. as far as like your reach like where were you guys headed with modern matter was up? Coastal, we went down to Florida, right. you know, we'd play Pennsylvania, Connecticut. What was and the reaction we did... when you, like, what was like the, the reaction, like, when you were traveling playing those songs? Every reaction is the same for every band I've ever been in. It's like, what's, what are they doing? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's yeah. never, I mean, some's a little bit more like digestible than others, but with Mind of a Matter, we just, we really, it's such a cliche thing to say. I was like, oh, it doesn't matter who's there. It really didn't. Yeah. We never played to big crowds until like maybe the end, when we, you know, our last show or something like that. Or even the reunions, we played them more than we did at the time. But we really got insulated. We really got like, I learned from Mind Over Matter, like all I ever want to do is be good for these guys. Like I have to <clears throat> impress the shit out of them. It's that accountability thing. Yeah, Why I don't want to show up late for practice. Yeah. I want to make sure that my lyrics are done. I'm good for them. Give and me it, these linguistic books yeah. and I'm in. So. <laughs> I remember that first uh, that first reunion at Coney Island High. And that was fucking oh, yeah. insane. Mm-hmm. That was so fucking crazy. And I think John was yeah. playing down the street with Madball, right? He's playing with Madball. So oh, was he? I think Pete Motive and mm-hmm. what was it? Ben Silent Majority split yes. the duties. And dude, he gets on stage. I think he had blue hair at the time, and I was like, "Holy shit, George has blue hair!" <laughs> Wearing a Thrasher shirt, so that goes back to the skateboard thing. Yeah. And he just fucking starts singing, and I just see bodies flying. That's all I fucking remember. I'm like, "This is fucking amazing." Nice. Yeah, that was. I know. You know, we taught Ben in the basement. Yeah, We're like our, Pete, motive. Yep. Everybody stepped up to the plate. We're like, 
that's like learning how to just fail while everyone's eyes are on you. Like nothing was right. Mm -hmm. Everything's like, but learn from those guys, like how to just keep going. Like you never stop the song. You, yep. you just keep moving. And I always, to, to the last band I was in, just I looked back to my band. I was like, I just kind of want to make sure they love it. They think I'm good enough to mm -hmm. be here. And like, you know, of course the crowd too, you know, but it, it changes, you know, and it, 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 it sometimes it's secondary, but I just really, you know, that's that accountability thing. It's like, I will be there on time. You don't have to worry about me. Yep. And, you know, that was, I learned that way early on with Life yeah. Matter. And yeah. I, what I like too is like, as the years go by, I think like every year a kid will pick up like auto or like security mm -hmm. and those records like just keep going. Still hold up. Definitely. You know? So whenever you guys do like those reunions and stuff like that, you know, you'll see, I think you guys did like long, was it like a Long Island Fest? Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. yep. Right. So you see like younger kids that picked up those records. Yeah. 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 So that's, that's gotta be, that's gotta feel good. Like sure. you're like, you know, these records definitely found a home when we put them out and even more so now when mm -hmm. people digest them, which is a lot of things. Like a lot of records, uh, I'm trying to think, fuck. I mean, I didn't even. Like let's say the Pixies became one of my favorite bands, but it wasn't until like later on where I'm like, yeah. Yeah. "Hey, I get this now." You know, like right. I when sometimes your ears aren't ready to hear something. Yeah. When really Fugazi, yeah, yeah, like yeah. I'm like I want to hear Minor Threat. Fuck Fugazi, right. and then one year, one day I'm like listening to Repeater, going like, "Hmm, this is pretty goddamn good." <laughs> right, yeah. Yeah, sure. <laughs> but it was just because I was ready to hear that. So. Right. Plus, I think like what George was saying, like they were talented guys super you know talented. super talented and you know even after you know like mind over matter breaks up you know you start doing day in a life you know the other two guys start doing like error type 11 like right. everyone's yeah. still holding john, their john, john fucking starts doing mad ball and then like right. death cycle and like you know john is like the probably the best drummer i've ever seen yeah he's like it's and you you listen to you know Mind over matter and neglect that you're just like holy fuck like the drumming on this is yeah. so you know he's, light years of you know ahead of everything and yeah. he's you know? he's so like he's so, talented but uh, non braggadocious yeah. like he he would just love to like hang out and drink and laugh yeah and like he's just been playing drums forever he played mm -hmm. with sheer terror yep that's not an easy gig to get you know it's not a, it's not an easy band to be in and it's not easy music to play mm -hmm. And Madball, like you got to think of like, you know, what these 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 bands are. They're mm -hmm. more than just their songs and their name. They're Sheer Terror and Madball is like a thing. Yes. Yep. So people are ready to shit on you. And he's, you know, yeah, absolutely. I would lose my mind if I had to like step into that position. Yeah. I would over prepare. Like you could see I print out Wikipedia pages <laughs> and I, I'm an over preparer. He's got a pie chart over he's here. Like, <laughs> he probably listens to the record a few times mm -hmm. and just nailed it yep. and he has like a very lovable personality so it just makes it even better to be around the guy yep. he's like all right you know drink smoke a little and go play and you're yeah. like oh, God, i wish i could do that yeah <laughs> no. always never not smiling no nah. and i mean cool. the uh you know the the rhythm section between him and scott too you know just completely in the pocket playing the two of them together you know so and john can figure out all that noise mm -hmm. if you listen to mind over matter we were pretty messy. What people always said, oh, you guys are so tight. It's not true. It's just that John was. Yeah. And in that, you know, in small venues, it was just like the drums were right. So we could kind of do whatever we needed to and do. Find your mm -hmm. way back. Yep. 
maybe in later lost, years right. reunions we did personally all get tighter mm-hmm. but in, back in those days we were not it was just that John was mm-hmm. and that's like a big deal but then he sure. could just then do Madball yeah you know it, it, it's hard to find a brain that can do all of those things and then sheer terror mm-hmm. you know like go from double bass to you know single bass yeah. with, you know there's a lot there and, and he's and he You'll never even hear him like talking about it that much. He just does it, yeah. you know. It's... Shout out to John, <laughs> John Lafada. Um, all right, so then you figure, uh, how long after Auto comes out that you guys just decide that you're kind of gonna play your last show and do your thing? Um, it probably was only months. I mean, we broke up in wow. November because I remember it was like right around Thanksgiving that we broke up. So it was the same year, whenever Auto came out. Yeah. I think we toured in the summer. Was everyone ready to do it, or was it like a sad thing? It's hard to say. I, I know that Josh wasn't that into breaking up, and maybe Scott wasn't because I think at one point me and Scott Martin and John LaFada were going to do a band. This was just before Day in the Life, and then John got into Blaze Camo, which was the singer of Yuppie Side. Yep. Yeah, he was doing that. that. I remember that. And we were like fluttering around a little bit. And I wanted to do like a more concise band. I want I I didn't want to do like a noise band like auto manipulation like Modern Matter was. I wanted to do like filter. Like just you know, and that's funny because that's completely what you ended up doing. Yeah. 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 <laughs> I think that's that's kinda like close. what day in life was. It was like, yeah. well, let's just try and get a little cleaner. Yeah. And that was because of Josh DeMarco. He wasn't a part of that original like idea. It was me and Scott Martin. But then Scott was it's like the timelines are blurred, but then I think Scott maybe necessarily couldn't do it. And then Josh got into the fold and then me and him were like, well, let's just, let's just do, let's just write like minor matter with like cleaner, you know? And then we started doing that and getting other players. Yeah. It definitely had a complete, like, uh, I don't like genre names, but post hardcore really fits it because I feel like that's what happened. You know, yeah. like, it was like the natural progression after hardcore. Yeah. And it, it, it had the, that New York like underground sound of the, like the, the dual vocals back and forth, which they pretty much perfected yeah. day in the life, you know, and ha- like you know? just that handsome helmet, yep. orange nine. It. Yeah. It was you know? just of that world, man. Um, so you said 10 shows and then TVT gets you. 10 to shows tops. Yeah. It was like, I had like all the knowledge in my brain. I'm like, we're never going to, you know, like it's not going to happen guys. And I was totally wrong every step of the way. Because <laughs> Still Suit got signed to, you know, there's TVT Records and they had a subsidiary. Don Fury was the president of Building Records and they they only had Still Suit. And then Julian, the singer of Still Suit, to his credit, like literally pushed the pile of cassettes and submissions away. I was like, Sean, listen to this. Like the A&R guy. Mm-hmm. Like press play. And he's like, this is great. So we talked a bunch and I was like, Listen, guys, this is not going to happen. And they were like, we want to sign you. And I'm like, all right. Well, the thing is, is that we got signed, but it's going to take like, you know, <laughs> I don't know, a year till we can record. It was like a month later. Tomorrow? Here's your studio <laughs> date. And I was like, all right, that's fine. Yeah. But then it's going to take like, I don't know, six months before the record will come out. It's like, well, your record slated for like a few months later. I'm like, fuck. <laughs> but by the time we get to tour, it's going to be like next year. Yeah. And it was like tomorrow, a few months later. <laughs> Within four or five, maybe six months, we were like, 
signed record out on the road. So it was like the same way we started. It was like the same way it moved and the same way we broke up. It was just like fast, fast, fast. Wow. And we had that same thing with the Day in the Life record, which was like good enough. But once we toured on it, we played two years on that record. It felt like it would be more fierce. The things we were writing were like, it's, it's going to be like Automobilation was. Like, you know, we were listening, you know, even like how the Deftones record, like, because that, that was around 97. Around the yeah. 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 Was and like that, like, we, like, you know, like the vocals, I'm like, this is what we need to do. Yeah. And um, we had written maybe eight songs and it's like broke up. Fuck. So it was just kind of like a yeah. couple of years <clears throat> in tell, and out. Tell me that, uh, that Max Cavalera story again. Which one? Okay. Oh, <laughs> all of them. <laughs> and a little cold chamber too. I think I think you uh, yeah. I think you you sang a song with him, right? And yeah, yeah. Max Cavalera is like one of those dudes who like to the day to this day. If like if you just walk up with your demo, uh-huh. he's gonna listen to it. I mean, he has no business listening to your shitty demo, <laughs> and he's just you know he's just a different level, and he was, you know. Like they say, you shouldn't meet your heroes, but he's like one of the guys you should meet because very welcoming, very like extraordinary, um, very kind with his time, like charitable almost. And he just was like, someone was like, oh, Max wants to meet you, you know, wants to talk to you in the bus. Like Max Galera wants to talk to me in the bus. I'm like, This was right. on your tour with him. With yeah. Him, right? With Soulfly? Yeah, because the drummer of Soulfly was Roy Mayorga. Yep. Okay. And Roy was in Nausea. Was the sound guy at Wetlands? We just, uh-huh. knew, just knew him forever. Yeah, getting somewhere. And then at okay. one point, Day in the Life needed a tour manager and a sound guy. We were broke, so we needed like the combo of tour mm-hmm. manager sound guy. Mm-hmm. We asked Roy. Roy said no. He had already recorded with Soulfly. But he was just in between before they started touring. And then he was like, "All right, I'll do it. Just pay me up front, so he could pay his rent in Manhattan." And we toured with Roy for two months. With Cold Chamber and Seven Dust, and Roy's one of those guys that fucking knows everybody, and everybody loves him. So it was great. So we had that connection. So by the time that Soulfly tour came around, Roy was finally touring with Soulfly. And I guess when they're looking over bands, he was like, "Yeah, Day in Life. I, those are my boys from New York. I, I oh, did awesome. their sound. That's great. And he's another generous dude. Like, that's the few and far between that people that don't have to do things and 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 they do." And Max, you know, when we were touring with Roy as a sound man, he's like, hey, you know, we're in Arizona. You want to go to Max's house? <laughs> like, Max Cavalera? <laughs> yeah. Yes, please. Yeah. So, like, we met Max, went to his house, like, hung out with his kids. And so by the time we went on tour, he asked, he's like, um, well, I want to do this uh, Beastie Boys song, you know, Time for Living. You know that hardcore song on the Check Your Head record, Time for Living? Yeah, Time. yeah, yeah. So he comes in, you know, at the time there was no Google lyrics. Like we didn't know what the lyrics were. He wrote up what he wanted me to sing. Right. He said what he was going to sing. And he's like, all right, we'll do it, you know, tonight. I was like, like tonight, tonight? <laughs> yeah. Like, like two hours ready. Yeah. I was like, when? You know, he's just, and we did it. We did it like, a, you know, a bunch of shows in a row. And he was just always did it. Look for like, uh, help, help young bands. Always try and like be there. Wow. And Roy was like that too. Roy was the type of guy. I remember one time we were in the van and someone had given us the demo of, you know, their demo. And someone in the band like was like, ah, whatever. And like threw it. And Roy was like, what are you doing? 
and he picked up the demo and he's like, you know, you were a demo band once. Like, and like opened it up and like put it in. I mean, the demo turned out to be horrible, yeah. but still, <laughs> he was just, point. yeah, the it's principle. still, yeah. But he was like, he's like, and he was in Soulfly. Like he was, you know, like he didn't, and he was like, don't be like that. Right. To, we were just like rowdy and on the road and someone in the band was like, ah, fuck this demo and didn't listen to it. He's like, don't do that. And he picked it up and put it in. It's like, you know, that's a different like mindset, you know, and Max is like that. If you listen to an interview with Max right now, he's like, oh, we wrote a new song. It's like really heavy. Yeah. It's like, dude, you, you've been saying that for 30 years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Still into Did it. Did you listen to anything from Chaos ID? <laughs> yeah. yeah you, that's it. And I'll take uh, a young new band on the road and play to 200 people or 5,000 people, 50,000, whatever it is, and give it his all. And that's like a different wow. element than a lot of the metal tours. We did a lot of metal tours. Yeah. Testament, Cold Chamber, Seven Dust. Yeah, that's crazy. It's just all, yeah. You guys did a Testament tour? We did. Oh, that was the first tour we did. Wow. <laughs> wow. What, what is, album were they on? They were probably Souls. 1997. No. Probably so. Low. It's probably the Low album. Ooh. With Tempesta on drums. Yes. Yeah. Okay, yes. there you go. Ding, ding, ding. Who later on played in Size White Zombie. Ma- size, well, also Size yeah. Matters, the yeah. great he played re- with a lot helmet of record. People, man. No. Tempest is all over the place. Now, uh, Day in the Life, the three other guys, obviously not, not you and Josh, mm-hmm. where did they come? I, I mean, I know that the bass player was Fleischman from yeah. VOD's brother, right? Yep. Uh, and what about the other two guys? How did Mark they kind of come into the fold? Was friends with Josh. I mean, Josh brought in Mark and brought in uh, John Camusi, the drummer. They it was another great forever. drummer. Yeah, he. Yeah. I think they had played together in something else. I'm drawing a blank on what they played together in, but he brought in John and Mark was someone. And Mark is one of those guys. One of those guys that that just has it. He's talented as fuck, you know, but he really did have like, you know, of different people that we would thinking about getting in as guitar when you, you know, you meet someone yep. and they just show up and you're like, I kind of want to hang out with this dude. Mm-hmm. And the way he spoke and what he talked about, shy guy, like he's not like a, someone who has like bombast, but he, he's just very like, yeah, I want to hang out with it. And he's like, oh, you know, let me hear that song again. And he just had, had a way that I was like, um, this works. I'm gonna spend a lot of time. I want to be with this this dude on tour, and uh, and he was just super talented too. Yeah, that's awesome. How'd you find touring with those metal bands? Like the receptions and the stuff. Were they good pairings? Were they good tours? Or, uh... Everything is opposite of what I thought it would be. Right. You seen a pattern here? <laughs> <laughs> Got it. Were you guys selling like a lot of merch? <clears throat> Um, yeah, I mean, we, we, you had to sell your t-shirts for more than you want because you're playing with metal bands, so yeah. you have to match theirs. Right. But we were like, we're a hardcore van, just give us a van, don't spend money on us. Right. And then you open up at like, you know, 2,000 seat venues with Cold Chamber, and they have a sound guy, they have lighting, <clears throat> they have all these things, and you're like, wow, we, you know, we can't like compete. So like you just kind of yeah. like want more, but like if if you take a band like Cold Chamber, which was just in that era of yeah. makeup, Marilyn Manson, managed by Sharon Osbourne yeah. too. Some there shit. you go. There's right. a lot this of is, money. Behind there's some, there's some good fucking strings, man. <laughs> she definitely probably opened a lot of doors. <laughs> Them getting back together, that was a good nice move. me loco. Yeah. Yeah. Like that was yeah. a they had a fantastic reunion. tour. Yeah, I'm sure. We yeah. were like, all right, we'll do it. Yeah, right, but. 
you realize like those kids that went to go see that, you know, at the time, sometimes it was the only show that went through their town yeah. at the time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You play Iowa and it was yep. like one show a month, 900 kids. Mm-hmm. That's who you want to play to. Yeah. Because sure. they'll, they'll never find you guys other than that, you know? They're that's starving it. for yeah. new music. You open up for Max Cavalera. Mm-hmm. That's the sh- like we. That's a show you want to yep. do, yep. but it brings a lot of older, jaded motherfuckers that mm-hmm. are like, you know, prove it, or I don't want to see you. So even going to the South, we were like, we're going to play Texas, you know, all these things that sounds absurd at the moment, like to think about that it was a bad idea, but we were like, not sure. But it was like the South was 10 times better than when we played like the Whiskey in LA. Mm. We played the Roxy in LA, all the things you want to play. Irving Plaza in New York City was yeah. like fun, but it was like it was tough. Like we would play in the South, and they would be like the owner of the club was like, "Yeah, well, we own five strip clubs, so just you know, get you guys together, and we'll take you." No, nah, no, 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 your money's no good here. <laughs> oh, man. You go to New York, Irving Plaza, and they're like, "No, that pass is not good enough. No, where's your? Uh, <laughs> you need three passes to get in." You're like, "I have a guest. Can I? Can I walk them in? Absolutely not. It's all union." It's all wow. very like you cannot do it. They just treated you like I have five strip clubs. <laughs> yeah, and then in the south, I was like, "Can I get these ten people in?" They're like, "That's it." Yeah, yeah, no bring them on in. Yeah. So it was the opposite, uh-huh. and you know, I enjoyed touring with Cool Chamber. I didn't need to be friends with them, yeah. but mm. it was just a blast because they brought in a crowd I would never play to. We toured with Strife. That's sweet. That's awesome. It was the most boring tour I've ever been was on it? in my life. <laughs> <laughs> the end of the tour was a pizza shop. Oof. You know what I mean? Like, they're awesome dudes. Yeah. I love them. I don't want to say anything bad. Yeah. But, like, after a while, you're like, well, we're touring. Cold Chamber was sex, drugs, and rock and roll. Yeah. Strife, Strife is Strife straight was edge. Like, you know, making fun of each other yeah. all the day. So, I hear you, I man. I kind of was like, <laughs> I, I, believe me. Uh, just uh, wink twice, and uh, <laughs> I know what you're saying. <laughs> But uh, I think you had some questions from Dan Turr and then yeah. Rob Link. Oh, fucking Dan Turr. Big, big Dan Turr uh, making an appearance. day in the life. All right. <laughs> so. so Dan Turr wanted How to know. How do you know. feel about Stomp 440? <laughs> <laughs> Dan Turr wanted to know what brought on the demise of a day in the life. Question one. Um, we were doing, we were writing for our second record. And I, I remember Josh, you know, this is the only way I, I remember it was that Josh was like, I want to do my own thing and I'm taking the drummer Oof. and the drummer. We, we fired John Camusi and we got Stefan from Glassjaw, which is the original yep. drummer, which caused a lot of problems because I was friends with Glassjaw. It was like a whole bunch of things. And it was basically like in a moment we had eight songs written and he wanted to do his own solo project. And it was kind of weird because if you're an artist in a band and you go to the record label and say, I want to do a, a solo project, they're just going to say, yeah. There's no commitment. But then you say, I break up the band that's in debt. You know what I mean? We're, we're a band, our first record. You're just in debt. It's just the name of the game. Yeah. It's, you're in the red. Mm-hmm. And then they were like, pissed. They didn't give them a solo deal. No. What happens to that debt, by the way? It I'm, just goes away, man. Like that's sort of the ups and downs of the record business. You could say anything you want about a record label, but you're getting we got a couple hundred thousand dollar free interest loan that just went away. Wow. So, yeah. you know, it sucks mm. to be on a record label and in ways but in another way. If I took out that loan, uh, I'd yeah. still owe it. Yeah. That 
What's your student college debt up to these days? I mean, like eighty dollars a we month. We toured all the world, you know, Indeed. and didn't pay back a dime. Okay. Wow. All right. Um, so the band breaks up. Did you get any? You know, five, ten years ago, have you ever been offered like a reunion to get back together? A couple times, people asked. Uh, you know, but it just wasn't emotionally a band. I think people would just come out for. You know, if we did a second or third record and it moved people, but I think people were like, oh, that record's pretty cool. Yeah. But I don't think it it, it what rocked the world. What about you for know? you though? Was, like in a perfect world, is that something you would do though? No, nah, it. I have no interest. Okay. You know, wow. it's nothing bad against yeah, no, those no. dudes, <clears throat> of course. Yeah. But um, but I never got pushed from those guys either. So I don't think. It, I think everybody in that band, if you ask them the truth a second or third record would have been the auto manipulation of what we wanted to do. Would have been that. And I think Josh, Josh wrote a lot and I, I can understand why he'd be like, well, I might as well just do my own thing. And that's what happens. You get signed, you're touring everybody. When you're touring and you play every night, first you hang out over time, you hang out with other people. Everybody's going to give you an exaggerated sense of who you are. You're more important than everybody else, dude what you know so i think that's the danger and i think like josh is a super important person in the band but you know to 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 kind of like have everybody be there and write your songs with you and then be like yeah because gotcha bitch and like take it away it's it sucked you know and i was like i wasn't at every rehearsal because i was like when you're done i'll start writing vocals and it's like in a way though it's like I don't know if I wanted to go back out on the road for a couple of years doing it, you know? So it was kind of like, all right, I'm, I'm okay. You were okay. Yeah. Even, yeah. So, uh, was that it for them? Uh, that was it for Dan Turn. Then, um, my buddy Chris that used to sing for my band, obviously, you know, you did like mm -hmm. earthling and then, you know, wiretap, you're the dragon kind of like what you did with Jane's addiction. If you had to do like your favorite bands, you know, worst to best, you know, in your personal experience, what do you, th what do you think it would, kind of rate as uh well it, you know it's weird because it probably falls on records more yeah. than it does on the, the actual band but i mean the most meaningful emotionally was mind of a matter but the way i felt the best and the most comfortable was probably end of earthling and like intervention of the dragon when you're like I feel like I can sing when I want. I can do what I want. Like you finally figure out like how to do this. So some of the, some of the Revenge of the Dragon shows at you know Mr. Beery's mm -hmm. felt like every molecule in my body was working more so than when I was trying to figure it out with day with a uh, mind of matter. Day in life probably it just gave me the most touring experience. Gave me the most like figuring out how to turn a crowd on. Like how to how to walk out in front of people who just do not want to see you, man. You know, thousands of people. That is... And have to do it over and over and over. It just moving into that was like experience-wise. So I, I, it's it, it really is hard to like figure out like, you know, the Jane, like the Jane's Addiction yeah, albums, yeah. maybe. For your own personal stuff, yeah. Yeah, it's like good and good and bad, but like musically, Day in Life meant the least to me. I think it was okay. the worst record I was on. Okay. You know? But the best record I enjoy was Automobilation. Earthling, I felt like same thing was like great ideas. I would just love to have gotten to a producer who could say, all right, just cut this out yeah. 
and let's just do a song with just Tracy. Mm-hmm. Let's do a song, George, move you in here, like the right, like a Rick Rubin. Yeah. I mean, you know, <laughs> the, I would love to have seen what Earthling could do. Yep. Just as like, a, we always thought of ourselves as like the Wu-Tang Clan. Like everybody could go off and do other things, but we just come back and do Earthling and like Tracy could do a solo record. Mm-hmm. I could do a hardcore record. Yeah. And that always felt like a missed opportunity to me, you know? Okay. I remember because um, I went to school with Mike Leota, who was an Earthling. Yeah, um, and it was around the time that I started coming back around again because I, I had some like you know um, I got sober in like '98, but I was still away, f- and I started coming back like around 2000. Mm-hmm. And I saw him at the swing set in Bayshore, and he gave me a CD. He's like, "Oh, I'm, I started a band with the, the singer of Mind Over Matter, and it was uh, two songs, but Jill was in the band." Right. And uh, why why did Jill leave? Well, Jill, it, w- it was a few problems with Jill. Okay, Jill was like you know just a savant as far as how good she was, but didn't have any work ethic. We'd okay. all been in bands before. This was our first band. She missed practices. She missed a show, mm. and it was show. always like mediocre reasons. Yeah. You know, didn't call, and she got pregnant. So the idea was like, well, we'll get someone to just fill in while you're having a baby in her mind it was like well it'll just be a year um a month that i'll be off it's like it doesn't really work like that you know like i'm not a mom but i yeah. figure it's gonna be a little bit more than <laughs> that. and uh, and and your track record yeah. doesn't indicate that you're gonna be back yeah with right. ease and then so we're like we'll just have tracy fill in and then it was like tracy walked in it was fucking game over because she's a front person she's yeah. you know um what was the band she was in a day for honey. Day for, that's who was on? It was TV also on TV Yeah, yeah. <laughs> which was annoying because we were day in the life. They were a day for honey, ah. and we'd always get confused. You know, we wouldn't get confused, but people. Get yes. Confused. Yeah. And so, then from there, uh, you guys had John from uh, Tension playing yeah. guitar, right? Mm-hmm. So, uh, man, I'm trying to remember like that. Those early <clears throat> songs were really because you figure it was like you and Tracy singing. Yeah. Okay. Then you had Dave Case on bass. Who is like <laughs> fucking? He's in helmet now, right? Yeah. But like Dave Case is like uh, just like a musical genius for the most part. Like <laughs> anytime, like I mean, he's a harmonizing machine. He could sing. Like we had him. I had him sing like harmonies on two of the recordings that I did, and he is just. I don't know. He's he's amazing. Me and Sam try and sing and figure it out. And we work yeah. on it. We have, <laughs> like, for a guy to just walk in and yeah. like just you know. Put down his beer, yeah. no warm-ups, and just put down his beer uh, completely. Just do like, it, do it well, yeah. and walk away, and not in yeah. no ego, like not be yeah. a dick about it. He just yeah. and you're like, why is the backup singer always better than the actual singer? It's Dude, always the case. That motherfucker was fantastic. You guys even did a uh, a tool cover. We did. Yeah. How the fuck did that come uh, come about? This guy, um, Anthony Esposito. They did what? So, no, it was Stinkfist. Stinkfist, yeah. yeah. The breakdown was great because you had Tracy singing the quieter verses, and then you came in on, on the chorus. It just and Dave actually sang, sang the last yeah. the last part. So Yep. Yeah, so. I had, go ahead. Tell me how. Anthony Esposito. Do you know, remember that? What's the band? Uh, he was in uh, Lynch Bob. Like George Lynch. Wow. Yeah. Holy shit. What do you say, Lasagna? That's one of yours right there. <laughs> no, that's like George Derek. Lynch that's, is God. That's Derek Schilling's band. Nice. <laughs> he was like a friend. He actually recorded 
day in the life on the first um compilation we did i just met him like a million years ago yeah and then like he just he just had these projects and he'd be like oh you guys want to do it we did a couple of cover bands or whatever but i i called him a few times to do live sound he was just great at like live sound and shit like that so um and then he was like oh i have this cover album we're doing you guys want to do it so sure oh so it fell on a cover album it was a tool cover album get the fuck there was a there was a a record company that was like they figured out they could make money by the way they did it was it wasn't covers of tool it was covers of covers okay they had this like mad genius thing it would have been mad genius if it worked. It did not work. Uh, of like, no, we're not doing the cover. We're doing a cover of a cover. So we don't have to pay the royalties to said wow. band. Okay. You know, and, and it was just like, he asked us to do, uh, it was one of the thing I, I did. I can't remember what band it was, but it was like, how do you just like, can I just do like a Jane's Addiction cover album? Like, do you have to pay for this? And it, it explained the breakdown. I'm like, that's some asshole with money just trying to like, or with no money, trying to like figure out how to like you know get these records done and when it comes down to like the courts it's like no it's a cover of the cover yeah not the original artist back when people still bought records and he was still scheming (laughs) people were still buying records and this guy's like how the fuck could i make even more it wasn't the producer like anthony it was just the guys who were like contacting him but he was like he would just get you know blocks of money was his name jerry heller no, okay. it would be a much better story. We would have started the whole night with that story, <laughs> Jerry Heller. Um, I'll always remember that time because I felt like it was like a fusion time. Um, I think a lot of bands were like experimenting with certain sounds, which you guys were. Like mm-hmm. Mike was DJing and yeah. had like a lot of like, um, you know, like he had like synth type shit. Like a lot, he was just he basically did, yeah. mad scientist behind um, you guys used to do a uh, quicksand cover too yes. right we did yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. land was it land no no that you guys did omission it was a cover we did of omission. a cover oh yeah. there we go cover of a cover it wasn't <laughs> a cover of quicksand it was a cover of a cover, <laughs> cover, of a cover. Like if walter's listening yeah. back off you walter. Yeah, yeah, already took already you took That's already right. so just Get relax the lawyers off speed you wanna, though you <laughs> just hang me upside down and take the change out of my pocket <laughs> <laughs> hardy calls him wally <laughs> i'm wally. like damn you guys are that tight you could say yeah. wally oh yeah there was some time off wasn't there before revenge of the dragon yeah, because I got married. Okay. So I did the thing where I was like, you know what? I don't think I should do this anymore. I got, you know, I got a lot of things to do. I got to straighten up. And then Time to as grow soon up. as I got divorced, I was like, who wants to start a bit? <laughs> <laughs> How long did the like, marriage last? Officially, it was a year. But I mean, we would kind of have an, you know, straight issues like about eight months. And uh, Revenge of the Dragon, that f- all the first, you know, demo and all that was just written off of like, well, now I have something to say. I have something like, you always you're write right. about girls and shit when you're, you know, in every band you've ever been in. But this was like fierce. Um, it's writing about divorce, which is weird. And it's it. It's all coming back to me now. Yeah. yeah. Definitely, and and that was a great lineup. Uh, I'm trying to remember the the original lineup was like you, Jay Booty, right? Yeah, from Earthling, mm-hmm. Joe Rubino, Joe Rubino was bass, first, yeah. yeah, and Greg Kibaki, and Greg, who's now in Carbomb, right? Yeah, 
And I just remember that opening riff to the title track, Revenge of the Dragon. Yeah. Still one of the best songs that I've ever heard you on. That first demo, to me, was better than anything we recorded after that. I mean, just because I was in a bad mood and it was just the right... We were just like, well, we'll just you know do this demo so we can find a guitarist. Because four was songs, like, right? Three songs. Three songs, okay. And Greg was like, I, you know, I'm... I can't be in this band. Like my friends were so good to me. I was like, who wants to be in a band? Yeah. I got this shit I got to say. And it was like, Whoop. everybody just moved in. Here's these songs, wrote it real quick. I was like, well, Greg's not going to be in the band. Joe wasn't going to be in the band. So like, we just need to like find players. So we'll just do this demo so we can find a guitarist. Yeah. And we kind of like slapped it together for that type of emotion, that type of lyric, that type of like what was going on that's the way you record it you can't think about it too much no it was just like get in get out and that was the whole idea of Revenge of the Dragon it's like just get in be fierce and then there was just like a lot of like there's just more players coming in and out of it that I think over time it was just like then I was just like why are we doing this yeah it's kind of like hard to like keep keep it uh, what it is once you start like people leave and then go yeah Um, it's hard to get the because I mean chemistry man chemistry is like you know, you go into a rehearsal space, if you keep seeing... I mean, you change anyone in any fucking band, it's just going to change the band. But you just need writers. Okay. And what happened yeah. is, is after we changed players, you know, we had like Chris Red, who's a good player, but you just need a writer. You yeah. need someone who's annoyed at you, that they have so many songs, and you're just, you, you know, that you haven't heard them yet. And like, it's the only way to like keep moving on. You know, so it was just kind of like, you know, you go to rehearsal, you're playing the same songs over and over. We had Josh DeMarco actually came in for a little bit. At one moment, he was like, came into the band. I was like, all right, well, we have a writer. And then he just disappeared. I was like, ah, it's the third time I was with this guy. Yeah. <laughs> he split. I was like, ah, oh, it's like the worst. But uh. you just need writers, you know, and I'm not a, I can't write songs. I just need you to write the songs and I can, you know, yeah. write on top of it. And then so it just got stagnant. And then I started doing Wiretap Crash with Alex, you know? Yeah, which um, we're going to get to that. Um, another quick little break, and then we'll finish up here. Time for the top five soon? Uh, yeah, but I mean, we'll, yeah. we'll, we'll hit up Wiretap, and then we'll go into our top five. Drop so. Joe Seattle's name a couple times. Damn right. One of the best Long Island drummers. Always. Ooh, All right, we'll yeah. be back. Hey. My, right, you, my oldest band is '96. <laughs> we're, we're we're taping. Oh, sorry. Um, yeah, yeah. Who cares? Please. I'm ready. We're yeah. back. Start over. We're sorry. back. <laughs> Wait. Delete. Phones updating. Delete everything. <laughs> um, okay, we're back, and uh, we're gonna ask George real quick. So then, the last thing that you did, as you were saying, because uh, you know Alex Amarudin, Mariko, Derek, and Josiato. Yeah. You guys all formed wiretap crash yeah so i want to touch upon that because you guys made that one ep that's it yeah but it was fucking pretty goddamn killer ep i'm happy with it yeah so um did you think the songs were a little different for for you to sing over or like i feel like it was in your wheelhouse now yeah it just everything i've done is just incrementally i never like all right well i'm gonna do an acoustic solo song <laughs> like nobody wants to hear that or you, i'm gonna do a hip-hop song do you remember it's just like it's it's like you know it's 10, 15% harder than I've ever done. Like, I got to hit that harmony. Yeah. Um. So it's like, all right, well, that sounds like him, but I'm not trying to, like, you know, do something that is outside the wheelhouse. 
No, no, definitely. And and Alex is a, a riff master. Um, he plays um, simple but super memorable. And then Derek is like, you know, Derek plays like Ian Love mm-hmm. from like Rival Schools um, or like Tom Capone, like where they just add these like notes here and there. And it just makes everything t- go from like, you know, a 10 to like a 15. And Alex just writes a lot and Derek's more into like arranging. Yeah. So it was just kind of easy because it was like Alex just write and me and Derek would be like, all right, we'll just put this here and that there. And it was just like easier because Alex didn't have a problem with however you wanted to arrange it. Yeah. And it's, oh, that's it, cool. That's fine. Oh, and yeah. it's nice when you're doing vocals to be like, can we just try this? We just flip it and shorten that and elongate yeah. that. And, you know, I'm not, I always think of myself as like not a songwriter. So I'm like, just, could we just try it this way? Yeah. And then in the end, if someone's like, well, that sounds good, then I'm like, all right, fine. But I just, I kind of got to get it out of my head because I can't explain it, you know? So it's like, well, we'll just try it this way, you know, double that part and shorten that part. And they were all really good about that. Yeah. It was a super easy going band, especially like, like you said, it was, I guess, cause it was like a fun thing. You know, everyone just knew you were going to play a couple of shows, maybe do a recording and stuff yeah. like that. So it was like no pressure. You guys weren't. That's why you didn't do too much because you need a dick in the band yeah to get it really happening you know it's yeah. like a, if everyone's like yeah no problem then you're probably not going to do too much yeah <laughs> if everyone's just laxed and then I, i'm just going to shout out that one time man i'm like i got him on a track i was like yo i need 16 on these right here so <laughs> playing dead made a, a record and uh i got george to sing uh a few lines but i asked on you nice. on um Parasite Dynamite. You doubled my vocals. Oh, yeah. That's right. Oh, it's Scott's house. That's right. right. Scott Gross. That was on the the compilation for uh, One, 118. 118, yeah, yeah, yeah. Damn. Okay. Shit. Well, there you go. Mm-hmm. Everything from Mind Over Matter all the way to Wiretap. And I'm sure, you know, there was like a hundred other questions. But eventually... We all need to go to fucking sleep. Yes, right. And you guys stop. You guys stop listening after uh, you know Jane's addiction. Anyway, so, uh, as usual, we're going to do a top five, and this top five, we are discussing our uh, f- top five um, debut punk hardcore um, full lengths. Uh, not the EPs, not the seven inches, the actual first official full length. So we're going to do those those five, um, and we're going to kick it off with our guests. Uh, George, what do you have for number five? Is this really in number order? Because I just put five. I don't give a shit. Do whatever. <laughs> you could lie to me. I don't give a fuck. Well, we'll start off with the obvious. Okay. All right. So, Sex Pistols, Never Mind the Bollocks. Yeah. Right. Um, moving down the list, I would say Sheer Terror, Just Can't Hate Enough. Oh, no. We're going to go around. Oh. Yeah. So, so we got number five. <laughs> so, five. So, Sex Pistols. I'm new here. <laughs> That's, <okay. laughs> That's all right. By by next episode, you're going to be great. <laughs> so I love that record. Yeah. Um, I think as a kid, it's one of those names that sticks out. Um, obviously, later on, they're almost like maybe Nirvana. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's like they had their thing. That album was a perfect, you know, moment in time. It's The songs are so good on it. Yeah, I bodies. Mean, people, some people like, oh, you know, Malcolm McLaren, put them down. Whatever, whatever the hell the story is, who cares? Because yeah. that is a perfect album. Yeah. 
you know, this anthems on it. Against one all after odds. another. Like, it doesn't make any sense mm-hmm. that these degenerates right. made this <laughs> record. Right. Yeah. And, and, you know, I think it's a lot of credit to the producer, probably, which is sort of, like, underrated yeah. in a way. Sure. But I don't think anyone at the time would hear, like, Anarchy, like it starts off with Anarchy in the UK. Right. Like, it would just doesn't make any sense yes you know like that it would be as big as it was or as influential and it still hasn't sold like tons and tons of records no everybody knows it yeah everyone knows it and then that was it like the band like imploded like it was just like okay the art the cover to the artwork it's all iconic yeah i mean really song after song there's not a weak spot on it no i don't think whatsoever no not at all all right so number five brian langan uh number five i had the damned damn damn damned um, came out in 77. I, I always loved The Damned. Um, this was actually, I was re- you know, reading up on it. It was the first full UK punk album released, um, these guys. But the, it has so many good songs. New Rose, One of Two, Neat, Neat, Neat. Um, I always liked the whole thing The Damned had. It had that Dave Vaney and had that vampire thing and all the Captain Sensible, Rat Scabies. But they're all really good players. The, the talent level on that album is, is phenomenal, and um, I'm still a damn fan to this. I went through their goth phase, their punk phase, whatever. Mm-hmm. I've always been a fan. There's a new uh, documentary about them out that I've yet to track down. I gotta, I gotta watch but, that because like they're one of those. Aren't you glad we're something dead yet or something like that? I can't remember <laughs> what the fuck it's called. But they just uh, did some shows. They just did yes, some shows. anniversary shows. Yeah. yeah, like 40 years, right? Well, yeah. God damn, time. still going strong. That should make them. Pretty old. They're very old. They're one of those bands that people tried to push down my throat always because I was a huge Misfit fan and whatever else I was into. And I could just never fucking get into The Damned. Mm-hmm. And like people are like yelling blasphemy. <laughs> I don't know what it is. It's one of those yeah. bands that I should be into, I should like. I just never. Were they on Return of the Living Dead or no? Were they on that soundtrack? No. no? Oh. I don't think so. Should have been. They should, yeah, they should have yeah, been. been. <laughs> That's yeah. a, same thing, but like hearing you describe it, I'm like, maybe I should check that out. Maybe I was wrong. With like, you know, like. it's it's they, they're like album to album. It's a different band almost. Like, but uh, when they first came out, it was straight punk band. But just it, they really played their instruments well. They stood out from the pack a little bit. Absolutely stood period, out. You know, absolutely stood out. And it was just the weird look they had. You know, this. Guns and Roses covered one of their songs. New Rose. That's right. New Rose is great. Yeah. That's a killer song. I wonder whose idea that was. I hope it was Duff or Izzy. You know? I thought Slash. Really? First thing that jumped into my mind. I don't know The Damned, and I don't know Guns N' Roses, but that jumped into my head. All right, we'll go with... Storm. We'll go... (laughs) (laughs) We'll go with Slash and Matt Storm. All right, so Parker, number five. Uh, I picked a band called Bane. The album is "It All Comes Down hmm. to This." So hardcore, uh, yeah. You know, what, you know what it is. It's it's <laughs> that's your wheelhouse. The, yeah, the uh, it starts off with a quote from Apocalypse Now. So being like a fucking movie fanatic, uh, the recording is shit. It's one of the worst recordings I've ever heard in my entire life. The fucking shout out to the engineer. Uh, uh, <laughs> it was Steve from uh, Today Is the Day actually recorded that. Oh wow! Yeah, wow. and you're gonna, uh, blast, you're gonna blast them on a first name. Level. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, just in case, just in case, you want to so. know who to hurt? Yeah. Uh, you know, I just love it because it's got a perfect blend of like old school, new school. Um, and the dude from Converge plays guitar, so okay, uh, which is another one of my favorites. So, man, this is tough. You know, I have five, 
But uh, this is your idea. I know. <laughs> God your damn phone's it. back up. Are you, are you just stalling <laughs> right now? No, actually, that's it. I was that was a fast backup. Um, nice. I almost lost everything. Jeez. Uh, All right, fuck it. I'm I'm gonna go a little left field. I'm gonna leave the dead milkman out of this. Shout out to them. Mm. Um, so my number five is a newer band, and this record came out in 2007. The uh, the band's called Gallows, and the record is called Orchestra of Wolves. Man, it's definitely one of the best records, best heavier records I've heard of the last 10 years. Um, seeing them live, too, is just chaos. They have these amazing, frantic guitars. Man, I, I can't say enough about them, and they did, they still had that, that noise to them. And then the title track, Orchestra of Wolves, is one of the best like punk, hardcore songs I've ever heard in my life. The refrain, the ending, everything about it. Uh, that's my number five, Gallows, Orchestra of Wolves. Fantastic if you've never checked it out. I've never heard that. I get <laughs> Oh, man, out. it's yeah. fucking great. They even do a Black Flag cover on the record, Nervous Breakdown. Nice. So, number four. I just I wanted to hear about Dead Milkman. Uh, <laughs> skipped. Yeah, no, I had I had their first. I had a uh, Big Lizard. That's a good All one. right, number four, which I alluded to. I thought yeah. we were just ripping out the list before, <laughs> but Sheer Terror just can't hate enough. Which yeah. you know that's even I know that the, one at the time. You know, for New York hardcore, you know, you had Sick of It All. You had a lot of bands, but here was a band that did. It talked about like being depressed. It wasn't everything wasn't like about respect and unity and all that. Paul Barrett took it like to the to the side that was like why you got into hardcore cuz you were a misfit cuz you didn't agree with everyone. You didn't. Yeah. And they recorded it at CBGB's live. Actually not like as a live record, but they, you know, did their tracks on the CBGB stage. And they had songs in there like, you know, just can't hate enough. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> basically, which is like everything you described, you know, it's yeah. like, I don't give a fuck about your lower east side pride and fucking I'm just a working class fucking like oh, just everything in that song. Um, it made me listen to it. Like I said, I'm not wasn't really much of a hardcore kid, hardcore fan. Uh, but Sheer Terror definitely was one of those bands that reached me. That's, you know, there was a lot going on, like lower east side and like. It was almost like a like skinhead pride where there was like yeah. uh, like a move towards like almost like American pride, which is weird because the lower side is like so like you know punk and all of that. But here was like Paul Barra, you know, saying like I don't care about any of that. I'm just you know just a working class slob, and even in the record, you know, doing songs where he actually sang. Yeah, I mean nobody sang on these records. There was like. People tried like to do a record where you'd sing like um, seven seconds or whatever, like. But he did these things like twisting and turning and roses, where he sang a little bit. There was a little bit of effects on the vocal, which sounds absurd if you know Sheer Terror. But he tried everything. If you if you know about Paul Barra and Sheer Terror, is like he he likes you know rockabilly and Motown and all of this, and then it's you know only second to what Paul Barrett is live but you hear it in the music and he it just sing, rips. He's, he he could when he wants to like on some some of those recordings he could really actually sing um is that the one where the, uh, is that the record where they do the cure cover no they did a um an EP okay. after that with the cure cover with a cure cover um 
Um, they were always one of those bands that stuck out. So yeah, good pick. Moving on. Yes. Number four, Langan. Uh, I have Dead Kennedys, Fresh Fruit, Ferrata Vegetables. Uh, I love this album. The first time I heard it, I'm gonna talk about East Bay Ray. I love East Bay Ray. <laughs> yeah. I, th- I think I know like a lot of people, you included, like Jello's voice is just. I can't get over it's it. It's terrible to yeah. some people, and I can't I like defend it. it. Yeah. It's definitely <laughs> an acquired it. taste. Yeah. I get it. Uh, I think he's one of the smartest minds <clears throat> in yeah, definitely. the business. But uh, East Bay Ray's guitar sound was like nobody else's Valid. at all. The yeah. way his picking style, the melodies, the core, everything was completely different. That Angela's voice set it apart. Plus, so political, very charged. Uh, has so many great, you know, California Uberales, Let's Lynch the Landlord. Political, but not politically correct. Yes. You know? Like, yes. But, but this was a guy, like, that knew what the fuck he was talking about. And uh, you know, my favorite album by them is probably Bedtime for Democracy. But uh, th- this album had a big impact on me in high school, big time. Parker, number four. Number four, I chose a band called Terror, Lowest oh. of the Low. Um, fronted by this guy, Scott Vogel, who sang for uh, Slugfest, Despair, Buried Alive, a bunch of happy bands. And, uh, first <laughs> Feel time, good band. Yeah, first time I saw this band was at, uh, I think it was Hellfest 2003, and it was just like this whole barrage of like, you know, like I, I know we hate using like, you know, labels, but like a bunch of emo bands, so it was like Static Lullaby went on, and like Further Seems Forever, and like and everybody's just like standing there, like making out with their girlfriends or whatever, and uh, this band Terror <laughs> just comes on, and just like... Are you guys tired of making out? Yeah, like, <laughs> just brought it back to like, Agnostic Front, like Mad Ball, like straight up hardcore, and I've just been following them ever since. Yeah, they just played a uh, Black and Blue. Yes, yep. Ball. Yeah. The video looked awesome. Yeah, so. and uh, the guy that sings, I'm actually going to see him because he's doing a reunion band with the band Buried Alive that he sang for, um, which was before Terror, and they're playing in Philly in July, so I'm pretty much going to that solely to see them because I never thought that they were going to do that. Unbelievable. Yeah, so. right. I thought they were going to play hitting a lot of shows. Yeah. I'm, Dude, I'm exhausted. Fucking I'm up. fucking exhausted, like man. Guy. I thought he, I thought they were playing like on the corner of like... No, <laughs> Philly, <laughs> man. That's why I got to plan that shit. Like got to plan that shit a year in advance. <laughs> yeah. He needs the motivation. That's it. So, okay. Uh, my number four is... Um, a band... That I think is the modern day misfits to me. I don't think they have a bad record. Um, they're one of my favorite bands of all time. And their first full length record is called God Damn It. And that record is uh, by a band called Alkaline Trio. Hmm. Uh, man, the lyrics, the lyrics are so dark. So they reminded me definitely of like the misfits, but the melodies are great. They were a punk band, but they were just beyond a punk band. They were like a new wave band playing as a punk band. Uh, Goddamn, it was their first record. There's 12 songs on it, and there's not one bad fucking song. I can't really even think of a bad record that they've ever put out. They are definitely probably my favorite band or one of them. So Alkaline Trio, Goddamn It, coming nice. in at number four. <laughs> four, four, four. Number Quattro. four. N- number four. Everyone's like, why don't you talk with a Long Island accent? I'm like, I don't know. I'm sorry. I no- got I got that covered. <laughs> coming in at number here. four. Huh. Drinking beers and wine. With a bullet. <laughs> yeah, with, with a bullet. 
right, then they George. won't know who's who when we're talking. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you got to keep the accents distinct. <laughs> Number three, George. Uh, I have Cro-Mags, Age of Quarrel. Good yes. one. That's, Can't go wrong there. That's, you know, there's an element of Age of Quarrel that has spirituality in it, but, mm-hmm. you know, the whole street justice. Yep. I always find that the most interesting, when you can com- combine, like, completely different elements, you know, Krishna <laughs> and, mm-hmm. like, I'll kick your ass on yeah. the street. right. You know, but it sounds amazing. I mean, even just beside lyrically. I think they know. meant it, too. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I don't think it's any different than what John Joseph or Harley is about to today. this very day. Yeah, today, right. yeah. That's why they, I think there's a there's a million conflicts with the band. Absolutely. But it's it's tough to beat that record. And you have street guys <clears throat> uh, with talent. You know, just it's that whole thing, you know, they put into a studio and it starts off with like like a stick click and that's what a hardcore show is it's yep. like click mm-hmm. click click dun, dun, dun. i mean and it just opens up the record and then by the time you get to like malfunction and all these things where like yeah john joseph's voice was different and weird but it held up in heavy metal crowds yes and it yeah. yep. totally changed hardcore they were on it some brought, big tours oh, they were there. one of the first metal you know quote unquote bit. crossovers you know yeah, uh, totally without that. being like we're gonna try and bring metal in yep. they just They're did right. yep you know and then People everybody else kind of like you yeah. know yeah. I love his story with the way when they played with Motorhead do you hear that story no well, he was on a podcast John I, Joseph yeah no it was, I was I forget whose podcast but I guess they uh, Chromags were opening up for Motorhead and something happened where I guess they couldn't do it or they weren't allowed to. Shit, man. I, now I'm going to fuck up the story. But uh, I guess John Joseph was like, nah, fuck this shit. <laughs> he fucking was trying to fight Lemmy. Really? But at that time, I think he said Lemmy security was like all hell's angels. Uh-huh. So they were like, uh, I guess they put out like kind of like a, I don't know if it was a hit, but they were like, you know, as soon as you see this kid. You know, beat the shit out of him or do whatever, and uh, let me squash it because he was like, "Nah," he's like, "It was our bad." He's like, "Fuck it." And then the next time, I guess, or maybe they pick someone else to open up. Something happened. Okay. So let me honored it, and he was like, "Fuck it." He's like, "Next time we go out, he's like, we'll take you guys out," and they did. And he was like, "Honestly, he's like, let me stand up, dude." Yeah. yeah. So well, definitely. R.I.P. R.I.P. Mm. All right, number three, Langan. Three, I got uh, suicidal tendencies. Nice. I'm so glad you picked that because I I, <laughs> yeah. I left that's, it off. But that's it's, that record. Oh my! I can't even tell you how many times I played it. Like it practically turned white. Right. You know what I mean? <laughs> From black on the vinyl. Uh, every song on it, I shot Reagan. Institutionalized, obviously a classic. Suicide's an so alternative. Your mommy, yeah. I can't say enough about it, and uh, I've always loved the band. And um, I've loved songs they've done here and there, but that never <coughs> quite as did yeah. what that record did to me. Plus, in the whole skate culture and the whole, right. you know what I mean? And I was always hearing so much uh, New York hardcore and, and stuff like that at the time. It just that whole Venice thing was, you know, a little entrance to a different world that I really didn't know much about, you know? But uh, I, I love, I think it's a perfect record, start to finish. Start That's to it, finish. Like the skate yeah. culture wasn't New York. Right. I would read in Thrasher magazine about these yeah. things in you know I would wear a suicidal hat but yeah. I had nothing to do with su- uh, you know it was just 
butthole surfers and right. i remember reading like butthole bowl and they had like you know skating yeah. that it really wasn't new york that merch game was on point with yeah suicidal merch game was crazy you know the possessed the skate yeah. all that shit and they man, were like you know? they definitely embrace that like cholo thing oh, yeah. they yeah. were like look at mike <clears throat> i'm like watch you know, the... i'm like wait is this dude mexican <laughs> yeah like, is, it Mio, is it mio res or some <laughs> shit and like supposedly those are like the scariest oh, fucking yeah. hardcore shows like back then yeah they well, were like the og dms they, almost but you know, named your man. band suicidal tendencies yeah. like that is a, crowd, a risk man. beyond yep. like you could wear a dead Kennedy shirt, but it could be like, oh, this is cool. But suicidal tendencies <laughs> yeah. is like, you know. And talking uh, about chops too, Rocky, man. Oh, sick. With that old school friggin' Pittsburgh hat, some man. Some songs he would uh, just solo the whole freaking song. Yeah, uh, like yeah, they last the whole song no. was a guitar solo. There he's wasn't even anything. killer. No. He was always like, even when they went into like their metal fizz. Yeah. It just made sense because mm-hmm. he was just on that level. It was that that album and a, a Welcome to Venice comp that I had back then that I played all the time. I had Beowulf <clears throat> on it as well, uh, Los Psychos, okay. all that that whole Venice sound. It's killer shit, but that album was Any? legend. Uh, Parker, number three. Number three, I did Hatebreed. Nice. Satisfaction nice. is the Death of Desire. That's the one. Yeah. Um, this kind of, I feel like, put victory on the map, this album. Mm-hmm. I mean that fucking thing sold. Holy shit! Yeah. They were all, they were also the first band to go after Victory for their money, but that's a whole different story. Um, they did tours with Slayer on this. They went to Ozfest on this album. Um, pretty cool thing. They had the day off in 2001 when we played Hellfest, and it was actually Earth Crisis last show. And Hapery was actually such a big fan of Earth Crisis that they flew there on the day off just to play Earth Crisis last show. So I wow. always thought that that was pretty nice and pretty cool of them. So nice. you know, but yeah, that's yeah. awesome. Um, my number three is uh, Fugazi, thirteen songs. Sweet. It's man, it's a perfect record, and it took me it took me a while because I just like I said I I wanted Minor Threat, and when I was a kid. You know, like 14, 15, you had the discography. You had Minor Threat discography. You hear filler, I don't want to hear it, fucking out of step. (coughs) And it's like, wait, what the fuck is this? Like, waiting room? And you Mm -hmm. listen to these songs, and I I just wasn't ready for it. Right. But when it hit and I started to play guitar more, I'm like, this is fucking, like, Mm. crazy. Like, I can't even play these songs. I don't know how they go. Um, Not a bad song on that whole record. Everything about it, just classic. I think it's a classic, classic fucking record. I wasn't into them right from the get-go either. It took took me me a little bit. bit. Yeah. And once it, same thing. Once it clicked, it was like, oh, shit. Yeah, because they were just playing so different, and the the chords and the melodies and and what they were doing on all their records, but specifically on the first two. Mm -hmm. Um, On the beginning of my guitar journey, I'm like, holy shit. All those Discord bands, but right. 13 songs, my number three. Nice. Number right. two. Number two, I have Quicksand Slip. Nice. You want to say it into the mic? I have Quicksand Slip. <laughs> oh, shit. There you go. Uh, what, make, imagine, like, none of his voice. <laughs> Yo, was George even in the room? <laughs> I was pulling away because I was coughing. So <sighs> I was trying to be polite. There's no mute buttons, which I'm That's... very used to. Fuck the we're on a seven second delay. We're raw. Yeah. <laughs> Naughty words. We got the, we got the dumb edit. button. <laughs> you can edit out my coughing. Uh, we'll fix it and post it. Uh, I can't I imagine. say it every week. His phone's still uploading <laughs> it anyway. So. Yeah. Yeah. But that, you know, there was uh, 
Quicksand was Moondog. They were on a compilation. Then they did the Revelation 7-inch. Everything was like, oh, this is great. But Quicksand sounded great. It sounded bigger. You could still hear that they were a hardcore band. You could hear where Walter was coming from. There's like a little bit of melody in it, but not all those bands that were trying to like finally sing and like sound, you know, like a different band. It it had this like bass and drum lock with Alan Cage and Sergio that just was just, you know, just had like a body to it, you know, that was just, you know, it just, everything just locked it, you know? So to me that like changed it. That was like the Sergeant Pepper. That was that New York hardcore. That record influence. <clears throat> like, man, the, like everyone's like, what the, like I remember hearing dine alone for the first time, yeah. like what? 92, 93. And I'm just like, it was, you hear that riff and I'm like, huh? I'm like, how do you play that? Like, I don't even understand. Like, and it wasn't like they were doing like thrash metal or anything technical, but it was just the groove of it and what he was doing with like it was like mute like there was like a game groove yeah. which you know is kind of a corny word, but there really was and everything locked in. They got like signed to a major. There was songwriting involved, but it was just solid songs like and it was one of those records like from beginning to end yeah. second to none even the instrumental <laughs> like even the in- even the, the instrumental <laughs> you know <Yeah. laughs> so all right. all right number two langan uh number two this almost could have been my number <clears throat> one but uh uh the dead boys young loud and snotty okay from 77 um again same way what i said about the damned i thought these guys were really good players for being a bunch of young, you know, snotty punks. Yeah. But uh, Cheetah Chrome, uh, I thought Stiff was a great singer. Uh, Sonic Reducer, the opener on it, is so fucking New York Still. 70s punk rock fucking. Ant. It's been covered, There's I think, by every everyone, band that yeah. ever. Even existed. Saves a Day did it. Pearl Jam does it. Yeah. I mean, fucking everybody does it. But uh, Ain't Got Nothing to Do, What Love Is, Caught with the Meat in Your Mouth. It's got a great sense of humor to it too um they didn't really do much after that that was just lightning in a bottle perfect great storm you know great songs captured on that one record um it's one of the most important records in set in uh, new york punk history i think yeah Um, people cite that all the time dead boys dead boys dead boys so it's a perfect record if you haven't heard it it's a must listen do it now. Do it. Pause. Shut the show off. Yeah, shut the show off. You could pause it and come back. Yes. Brian Parker will still be here. Yes. Number two. Falling asleep, but uh, I did Cave In Until Your Heart Stops. Nice. Oh. Uh, uh, I remember hearing a bootleg when they still used to have bootleg tapes before everything was, you know, on the internet and everything. I was on tour in Florida, and the, the, the guy that we were staying with um, – I forgot the fucking guy's name, but he was just like, yo, this band Cave. And I was like, no, I know Cave, and I fucking love that band. He goes, well, have you heard the new shit? And I'm like, no, man, the new shit ain't out yet. Oh, all right, man. Come, Come get on. in my yeah. bed. Get in my co- Yeah. <laughs> so he puts this fucking- I'll make you a deal. Yeah, he puts this tape on. <laughs> and share I, headphones. Yeah, yeah. I think, we, I think we crammed all five guys in the back of this fucking guy's car. I bet you did. Yeah. And uh, it's getting more interesting. Yeah, and I heard, I was just like, "Holy fucking shit!" Like, yeah. this is what I want. Yeah, this is what I want us to sound like. 
Yeah. And uh, that fucking album came out and it was huge and sold fucking hundreds of thousands of copies. Did it really? Oh, yeah. Not hundreds of thousands, but right, yeah. that, that definitely put Hydrohead Records, I think, on the map. Yeah. And put Caven on the map. And, uh, you know, I mean, from that sound, even to Jupiter, like, Caven's the one band that I kind of, I never got pissed at when they changed, you know, oh, they sound like failure now. Like, cool. They do. I'll listen to them. Cool. That's you Jupiter. know. I never. Yeah, I never gave up on that band, even when they signed to a major label. You know. Oh, what the fuck? They're on. I think they were on like MCA or something, and they're touring with Foo Fighters and blah blah blah. Cool. I'll listen to it, and I did, and I loved it. So me too. Yeah. Like Jupiter uh, Antenna. Yep. Antenna's my favorite. Yeah. Um, I didn't really like. I wasn't too. It was just wasn't my thing. Like the earlier stuff. Yeah. But like, man, that once they kicked it up to the like you said, like failure was really yeah. good uh, comparison. Really, really loved it. Now that dude Steve does uh, Mutoid Man, yep, which is like drummer converge, yeah, mind blowing, yep, like mind blowing oh, yeah. like, for a three piece too. For a three piece, you know? like the shit that he's singing and yeah. playing to, it's like very like almost prog yeah. rock because when shit. i first when i first saw caven uh was at deja one and that's when he was just playing guitar and kind of doing like the singing parts and then they had an actual like singer screamer guy and then they booted him out and then he took over full duties as the singer screamer guitarist and i was like this fucking guy is crazy man he's one of the best musicians uh i've seen in my life yeah um he could do everything yeah. just the playing the singing the screaming Full package. Yeah. Uh, all right, so I'm going to do number two. My number two is a band that influenced everything that I've done musically forever, my whole life. Um, their de- debut record is everything that I've ever loved about music. Uh, Descendants, Milo Goes to College. Mm, nice. The Descendants just chose melody, and yeah. their songwriting chops were yeah. fucking insane like when you're like oh we're gonna play this song and then you listen to like the bass lines and then the drum patterns and like the single like the the note picking that they do it's like far beyond anything <laughs> like i mean you could play them shitty if you want to cover them yeah. but the actual like songs like the the way they play just amazing and that record just i mean from hope to bikeage just it just they it was the catchiest stuff um that i've ever heard it was just <coughs> pure melody and growing up that's what i liked i was just like a melody dude like if you had a song that i could you know hum along to or sing along to that was always what i was going to gravitate uh, towards so number two descendants Milo goes to college <laughs> good, choice. <laughs> good choice all right so i'm gonna fucking read um we got some lists here so i'm gonna go through this real quick Listener lists Yes, L- listener. Oh, or at I like least that. people we sent messages to yeah. to give them. Maybe they don't listen. I'm still waiting for that fucking guy from Ireland listening. Send us yeah. a list, you know. Hey, Brian, here's your fucking stupid list for your show. I don't listen. This is from my mom. <laughs> now nah, this is uh, Mike Malamo. Uh, so number five, he has Bad Religion Suffer. Number four, Thirteen Songs. Number three, something that I love, Drive Like Ju, self-titled. Number two, Bloodlet, eclectic, and number one, Dead Guy. Worth a uh, work ethic. Ooh, good one. All right, number yeah. five, Paulie Wozniak. He has uh, indecision, unorthodox. Number four, Kill Your Idols. No gimmicks needed. Not debut, but first LP. Nice. Uh, number three is one that I have on my honorable mentions, which is Black Flags Damaged. 
Yeah. Number two, Bad Brains. Uh, <coughs> the ROIR sessions. R-O-R. Number one. Cassette. Oh, yeah, the, the cassette. Um, and number one, Circle Jerks Group Sex. Nice. All right, so Rick... Jimenez, who's a, a guest, same as me. <laughs> All right, so we, Fucking he, Rick. Yeah, uh, he has show. he has number five. Uh, so is Malama. Actually, I forgot to mention that yeah, number five, Descendants, Milo's College. Number four, Dead Kennedys, Fresh Fruit for Rotting Vegetables. Number three, The Adolescent Self-Titled. Uh, number two, T S O L, The Black EP. Nice. And number one, Minor Threat, Minor Threat, which I think are both EPs, but whatever. <laughs> Yeah, Some people don't know how to follow rules. Yeah. That's right. He's got a lot of muscles. It's a tough <laughs> genre for that. Cause yeah. It is. Punk, they just put out all kinds of shit. Yeah. Well, that was a cassette only and a yeah. 45. Split and that seven might have been a 7-inch. Uh, yeah. But and only two or three other year. bands were on. First or second? <laughs> uh, uh, then we got Vito. Oh, uh, Vito. Oh, Vito. Another good drummer. <laughs> Another great drummer. Uh, number five, he has Face to Face, Don't Turn Away. Fantastic. Bad Brain, self-titled. Number three, Turning Point. It's always darkest before the dawn. Number two, Crow Mags, Age of Quarrel. And number one, the self titled Ramones record. Hmm. Uh, Dan Turr. Oh, fucking Turr. Uh, All Van Halen. Anthrax. All Van Halen. <laughs> <laughs> He's got Anthrax, Stomp 442. <laughs> <laughs> nah, uh, number five, Shy Halud. Uh, Hearts Once Nourished with Hope and Compassion. Number four, Dead Guy, Fixation of a Co Worker. Number three, Buried Alive. Oh, Death to Your Perfect about that. World. Dan Turr's actually going to Philly with me, so there that was a nice is. little plug. So. Uh, number two, Poison the Well, opposite of December. That's not the first album, Dan Tur, You should know that. <laughs> oh, shit. Number one, Misfits Walk Among Us. Mm. Uh, and he writes, can't wait to get bashed on one. <laughs> <by yourself." laughs> All right, and my last list, I have Chris Baltris. He has number five, The Slits, uh, Cut. Nice. Number four, Devo. Are we not men? We are Devo. Mm. Number three, Richard Helen, the Voidoids, Blank Generation. Good number one. two, Minutemen, What nice. Makes a Man Start Fires. And number one, Ramon Self-Titled. Mm. Nice. Yeah. I, I just got one list. I got Rob Link, number five, Fast Break, Fast Cars, Fast Women. Number four, Hate Breed, Satisfactions, Death, Desire. Number three, H2O, Self-Titled. Number two, Silent Majority, Life of a Spectator. Number one, Kid Dynamite, Self-Titled. I got... um. Four guys here. I got uh, Sean Powers. Um, he said no particular order, so I'm just going to read off Bane. It all comes down to this. Oh. Avail, Satiate, uh, Gorilla Biscuits, Start Today, which is killer. Madball, Set It Off. Warzone, Don't Forget the Struggle, mm-hmm. Don't Forget the Streets. Nice. Another classic. Um, Todd Reynolds. Oh, Todd. Todd. A regular contributor nice. to this feature. Uh, he's leaving out Black Flag and Minor Threx. It's too obvious. Right. <laughs> he's, he's always got a comment. Before yeah. this thing. Uh, number five, DRI, Dealing With It, which is killer, um, before they did the crossover thing. Of course. Yeah. Uh, four, Murphy's Laws first. Uh, three, Crumb Suckers, Life of Dreams, awesome band. Uh, two, Sick of It All, Blood, Sweat, and No Tears. Can't argue with that. Crow Mags, Age of Quarrel, number one. Uh, my man, Brendan Henry. Had five sex pistols, never mind the bollocks. Four misfits beware, he put. So I believe that's uh, not officially the first (laughs) album. That's all right. Sorry, Brennan. Uh, Three, H2O, H2O. Uh, Two, Rancid, self-titled. Number one, Ramon, self-titled. And my friend Chris Thrash from uh, Connecticut. Uh, Five, Madball's first album. 
four, hate breed, satisfa satisfaction is the death of desire. Um, he said the original first was under the knife but that was like a comp that was like a demo with seven inches i'm leaving it else. i'm throwing i'm looking at you Thanks, while i'm pal. reading it because i know <laughs> i appreciate you know that you pal fucking hate breed yeah. um three agnostic front victim in pain uh two suicidal self-titled one sick of it all blood sweat and no tears that's what i got fantastic all right so it's time for number one and uh you know let's let's bring this nerd level to a climax here <laughs> Oh shit! You know, uh, number one, George Reynolds. What do you have for Agnostic Front, Victim in Pain? Yeah, oh. that was down near the end of someone's list. Yes, yeah. down uh, close to number one. Yes, but it is like the blueprint of New York hardcore. Absolutely. You know, it's. Yeah. I don't even think it's thirty that. minutes. The first song. I was just thinking about this the other day. I'm like, I don't even think I know all the lyrics. I just been singing it like. It's just it's a rhythm, and um. <clears throat> Even there's that you know one song in there that's a little bit more like uh, emotional, like with time, mm -hmm. you know, um, and it's just a, a perfect record. That's like the blueprint of New York hardcore, I think. You know? yeah. yeah, I like just synonymous that name. Not I mean, hardcore, but like New York City hardcore, yeah. fast that's, that's guitar, like record. leaning yeah. on like heavier, and you know, it was the blueprint stigma. for a lot of bands Completely. to follow. You know. Speaking of the watch, he just posted a picture of him doing BJJ with uh, Roger. Oh, yeah. I saw that. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I was, I was like, like, sure, why not? Uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, it just... What was he doing with him? Uh, I guess he was like doing... Be uh, not giving him a BJ, BJJ. <laughs> oh, yeah. Brazilian oh, mind out of the gutter. Fucking, I got the one headphone. Oh, okay, yeah. yeah. Okay. He's not like, enough album covers. He doesn't need any more favors. I don't, he doesn't need BJ's. I'm just thinking like this guy finally got to meet the watch. You know? <laughs> <laughs> uh, number one, Langan. It's a cliche, but I have the Ramon self-titled. Yeah, all my shit is really old compared to you guys. Yeah. but I'm really old. Yeah. Um, <laughs> listen, it was an album yeah. that birthed a thousand bands. You know, Can't they took it to it. England. They, you know, all the guys that formed the Clash and the Pistol. Everybody was in the audience that day. The, the chord progressions. It was a formula that people followed, and it's also got. Um, uh, one of my favorite songs of all time by anybody is Today Today Your Love, Tomorrow the World. Yep. Obviously, I could do without hearing Blitzkrieg Bop again. We know it a million times. <laughs> Just like I could never hear Stairway to Heaven again. There's certain songs. <laughs> Iron Man, I'm good. You know what I mean? But as far as a whole album, it's... it's it's What can yeah, I say bad. about it? I mean... It's one of the most important records ever made. Pretty much. You know? yeah. So. Even the cover is just so, like, no frills. It's so, yeah. It's yeah. a perfect cover for them. Yeah. You know? Um, but I, I really, I don't like to go with the obvious, but I didn't know that's, I cannot, you know, go yeah. anywhere else that's but that. Yeah, that's it. All right, Parker, number one? Number one, VOD self-titled, a.k.a. The Green Album. Nice. Wow. Nice. Yeah, I had to, uh, had to keep it local for number one. Yeah. Um, that album probably had just as much impact as the fucking like black album Metallica for me, I guess. Cause it was probably like a band that I always kept on watching and I was just like, holy shit, these fucking guys signed to like a major label. And I mean, Brendan drumming once again, going back to that was unreal on it. The, I loved the production and, uh, Funny thing was, they were always playing those songs beforehand, but then kind of when that album got released, they're like, oh, what the fuck are these new fucking bullshit songs? And I was like, no, they've been playing them, just, you know, guess who just just haven't been listening close yeah. enough. So, it was you know. like, you think of like the way a record opens, yeah. sometimes like makes it classic or yep. not. 
And when you hear that into the brink, and then when Tim hits, rah, oh yeah, is it's like yep that like turned my head. Yep, I was like, what the fuck. Yep, you know, yeah. that makes it a classic. Love it for sure. Yeah, I love it. Well, my number one is obvious to me. Very uh, <laughs> <be> good. Yeah, <laughs> very good. <laughs> Uh, I mean, I did want to go with The Clash, but I mean, I guess I, I had to rub it out for uh, The Misfits, Walk Among Us. Ah. That's their, their debut record, and it, it reads like a greatest hits record. Um, they are probably my favorite band. They're the only band that's tattooed on my body. Um, I can't think of another band that wrote songs that hit me more. When I first got Walk Among yeah. Us... Like I'm just just so I don't forget anything here. Twenty Eyes, a great opener. You know, I turned Every into a song Martian. Is yeah. an anthem. Yeah. yeah, it's a fucking anthem. Every song, like they just had the catchiest hooks, melodies, and the lyrics were just almost vile. They they were like they, the whole song structures were like fifty songs almost. Yeah, that's what it was, mm-hmm. and sped up. Yeah, raw, aggressively played. Had the the old sci-fi monster. It was, it was like everything I loved. Yeah, you know what I mean. But uh, and then one of the most identifiable identifiable voices. On Absolutely. Top of it, you know, Did you but, love it because of them or before them, and it all came together like the sci-fi and the. You know, I can remember going to my friend's house. Like I, I remember everything. Like that afternoon, practically, that band had such an impact on me. Uh, and hearing that album and stuff. And it was just realizing that it was encapsulating all that stuff that I liked. It just made perfect sense to me and was heavy, but so the hooks on it. Hooks were huge. Mm. Like you hear, so, like you're, you're basically singing one of the catchiest songs on the planet, Skulls. And then you're talking about hacking the heads of little girls and putting them on your wall. You're yeah. talking about peeling someone's fucking face off. Right. Um, and you're singing along like it's the. Yeah, you know, like I, it's fucking American bandstand. Yeah, yeah. It, I mean, what a dynamic. <laughs> yeah. See, I, mean, I, I didn't know. I, I like Misfits. I could never get into. Really, I always saw it as more of like, um, cartoonish. Yeah, mm-hmm. and no idea Skulls was about that. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. No clue. Yeah. yeah. Until right now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the more you know. Yeah. Finally, 2017, <laughs> we're yeah. breaking down Skulls. <laughs> you know, it took a while. Uh, everything. <clears throat> You know, yeah. twenty eyes. Uh, uh, mommy, can I go out and kill tonight? Like, yeah. ridiculous. They 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 perfected the whoa woes. Yeah, yeah. That was the total. But what about yeah. Bullet? The fact that what Bullet is about. Bullet's not on that record. No, but I'm saying just in general, just you know? everything. Yeah. Like if you listen to the song Bullet. It's mm. a, uh, about uh, JFK getting shot, okay. and but and that's like, where Texas is the reason got the name Texas from. Texas is the reason, and then he, oh. at the end he's talking oh, about I did not know yeah. that. Yeah, whoa, shit, yeah, yeah. we're dropping Dude, gems on oh, shit. Yeah. I got a lot to learn. <laughs> but he's talking about like, like his cum is her life support, yeah. and the only way to get me. it, masturbate it's me, to suck, what oh, the fuck, fuck. Yeah. lick it from your palms. <laughs> And you're singing this because it's the catchiest shit ever, but like the lyrics are just vile. Uh, it, Love it. Yeah. Angel Fuck is about having sex with the Virgin Mary. Die, die, my darling. Yeah. Uh, I was a real big Earth AD guy. Great album. Great, yeah. 
But Heaviest I mean, album, probably. I mean, you know? when you talk to the Misfits, like, you know, Desert <laughs> Island, I got that coffin box set in my, under my arm. And yeah. I don't even have to. It's not a hard decision for me. No. I just grab that. And yeah. that's the album I'm going to have the rest of my life. Yeah. And that's it. And and the story. That's Misfits are my favorite band of all time. Mine, you know? too. Yeah. Like, I mean, look at this. Yeah. Yeah, I got one here, too. Yeah. Definitely one Shit, we can I agree even, on, I you know? I got the Danzig. Nice. Oh, speaking of, he just released a new record today. I didn't listen to it. Yeah. (laughs) I didn't hear the whole thing. I heard two songs. The first song um, is kind of terrible because he can't sing. But but his vocal is really fried up front in the mix. What I heard, I was like, It sounded like you're sitting in the room with him and you could barely hear the music, but you could hear him singing terribly. Yeah, like he's like, come in my living room a second. Yeah. <laughs> and he puts, yeah. he sets like the music real low in the background, sits right next to you on the couch and serenades. You're like, sing it. that song for me. Turn the music way down. Turn the vocal way up. Can you turn that lower? Let's see what you got. <laughs> you know, but I, how do you tell someone like that to stop making records? You can't. They just make records. I want him yeah. to make records forever. Yeah. Whether they're good or bad. He's a goddamn national treasure. <laughs> right. like, I, he's I a never... little... I always National saw it as like treasure. cartoony. I guess I think I didn't pay attention, and then when Danzig started doing his yeah. thing, I paid attention. Yeah, it and is maybe cartoony. it was easy to like like looking at him mm. was like just easy to like discount. It 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 is very cartoony, <clears throat> and I Danzig, think that's the appeal to it. I think Danzig he was trying to take himself a little more. Well, that's seriously. what it was. I think it was just right. basically like he was trying to get away from that you know uh, image. So they're. Danzig was just super dark, and they were all like. But they, they had like great players too. That band. Listen, you know? the first yeah. four records they were always did. Awesome. Yeah. You know, Chuck Biscuit, yeah. Sierra Vaughn still played bass. John Christ, and yeah. Sam Hain, John Christ, and I mean, even now he's a Tommy Victor from Prongs playing guitar for him. Yeah. Um, the whole, lot of people that have come through that. I've you know, pushing and sixty. Sam Hain, I love Sam Hain too. Yeah. It's really, I'm just, <coughs> you know, he'll make some shit. Yeah. He will. <laughs> But I'll deal with it, and I'll wait for the next record. You know? <laughs> Death Red Sabbath, that album he made yeah. was really good. You know, so it's it's never, you know, you never know what you're gonna get. But I'll always be there to hear. I'll what always he's hit play. There's certain bands that I'll always hit play on. I, I love mean, that obviously, voice. we talk Jane's Addiction. Yeah, always. Yeah. I'm always gonna be interested in what they do, whether I'm I'm in love with it, I don't like it as much as something else. When they when any of those Jane's Addiction, certain bands come out with something, especially the bands I came up with, I'm always going to be interested. Jello be offered too. I always check out. Like, yeah, it's his bands or spoken word. The I'm stuff like... he does with the Melvins, I love. Uh, Guantanamo School of Medicine, yeah. all that stuff. All his projects. They're... I don't always love it, but I'm like, no. But I want to just... hear it. I want to hear it. Going to be bizarre and interesting, so it. They'll keep my attention. Yeah, yeah. Oh, he's a character, man. Yeah, yeah. yeah because as 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 like fans, uh, or even as like musicians, like you know, I'll just always want to keep making music. But I know some people kind of tune out. Mm-hmm. But I think those people never really gave a shit about music anyway. Right. You know, some people just stopped at like ninety three, and then I'm like, all right, I'm good. <laughs> yeah. Right. The people like, that say there's no good shit being made today. Yeah. There, there's nothing like, worse than like I can't we all know Alice in Chains shit. and Soundgarden were great. Yeah. Or whatever. Yeah. But it's like you can't like be like, oh, the kids today, they no. they don't know. It's like, dude, if you put on a Gorilla Biscuits record, it's not technically good. Right. You just it was you were 15. It was the emotion behind it's it. Like, yeah. Youth of today you, is not a. 
technically, you know. So if you compare it to some band that's, sure. you know, just doing a record today, it's like these kids are in the basement having their time and their lives. They, you're not supposed to like it. No, no. You're not your supposed parents to. thought your yeah. music sucked, and their parents thought their music sucked, and stuff like that. But there's good shit out there. Like I fell out of love with hip hop for a long time till you started giving me new stuff and it's like it's out there it's I just out there had to look for it a little harder yeah of course you know what i mean but i needed somebody to point me in the right direction now i'm like oh okay that guy this guy that guy it's there yeah you just have to be willing you know, older people might not be willing to put the effort in to find it but maybe they're just not music's not as important to them as it is to me to look for that stuff that's still being made. And, and it's like good. super right. important. Like I, I just every year, so many new records come out and now it's just easier to, to it's, it's just easier. It's easier find to find. It's almost harder to like keep up with so much shit. It it's is. Like, there's too I much Spotify, stuff. I'm like, Oh my God, there's so much but shit. But it's also hear. like, there's no question yeah. that there's like kids in a basement somewhere creating something mm -hmm. that we don't know about yeah right. so we could say like oh it was you know they don't know or there's so much better back in the day it's like it's not it doesn't nothing to do with us mm -hmm. like unless we want to be involved but they're doing stuff that is going to sound like crazy to our ears mm -hmm. you know just the way victim and pain did yeah. just the way it you makes know sense to them though. Yeah. yeah and it's like you know, nobody knew what we were listening to. Mm -hmm. We were in our own bubbles and we thought it was great. So they're doing that. You can't shit on that and be like, oh, that's just garbage. Or maybe we should so that they'll work harder or something. But yeah. like, that's important. Like, there's no question in my mind. There's amazing shit going on right now that I have no idea about. I, th I think that the trend though, and it's, gen it's just generally speaking, but like as far as what... Um it goes mainstream is really there's a lot of more vile shit i feel like and you have to look way below the surface to find some other stuff where i i, I don't know there was a day when you know metallica band i love was selling they were like the biggest band in the world and stuff and uh nirvana Soundgarden, all these bands were having commercial success as well as like some yeah. musical cred and stuff that they were popular and it was really good shit I find the divide between like the good stuff that I find now and what is is just broadening. Like it, 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 it the divide is bigger. Technology, technology yeah. makes it where I could, uh, you know, just sit there and make something on my phone and upload it in two seconds. Right. So um, it was harder to basically round up some money. Uh, to go into a fucking real studio because that's the only option you had. Mm -hmm. And by then, people will be like, your fucking shit sucks. You should not be spending money. Or by then, like, your passion uh, will burn out where it's like, oh, yeah, maybe I'm not going to raise the money to go into the studio. My parents aren't going to pay for it. But now mm -hmm. it's like I could buy an iPad and create something on GarageBand mm -hmm. and upload it. So that's what you're digging through. <laughs> Yeah, you're right. digging through more of that stuff. <laughs> Not saying that some of that stuff isn't great. There's a kid somewhere in the fucking the Midwest somewhere making some song on GarageBand that's probably the best song I've never heard. Right. But there's also a hundred other of those kids making the worst shit ever. Yeah. So um, it's e easy to find that, but you just have to swim a long fucking way. You know, Maybe that's the part of the problem is that they, they can make it available so quick and some of the bands that get in the van and take the, all that time to gel as a band or something like that, I might hone a lot of the 
pretenders out. You know what I mean? Where people get instant fame nowadays. They put you on YouTube. Maybe they're not ready yet for, you know. Because all you need are basically one, two, three, three chords. Mm-hmm. And you'll come up with a melody. And it'll hit everyone's head. And I'm like, oh, this is catchy. Mm-hmm. And like a catchy melody is just that. Mm. You know, like a McNugget tastes good doesn't mean it's good for you. You know what I'm saying? Like, I don't know where that shit comes from. Uh, but you could, like, you could hum something ridiculously, and it'll hit the U.S. It'll hit the world, and everybody will be singing it. Right. You know, because it's just, just a melody. Earworm. Yeah, it's just a melody. Yeah. You know, so it doesn't mean that you're going to have a long career. It's just like, oh, you knocked that out of the park on this one, so... All I know is I want a chicken McNugget right now. <laughs> <laughs> All right, cool. What's what's our next guest? Uh, my buddy Mark Schoenbach, and he does this company called Sadist Art Design. He was a former artist for Fangoria, and he's done shirts for Fright Rags. Cool. And should be a good horror guest. So yeah, Sweet. we're gonna talk. We're yeah. gonna talk some shit. Yeah. Is he bringing shirts for us too? Yeah. Uh, possibly. I haven't. Dan you know, sh- set a precedent. I haven't schmoozed him yet. <laughs> so, but he he wanted to do uh, worst to best Deftones too. So. Oh. Yeah. So we'll be doing oh, that. Oh, I'm excited. Yeah. For this. And he has he's got two top fives that he's going back and forth on. So we haven't decided that yet. So. Can we, okay. Do yeah. we know what those are? we gonna say that? Okay? Uh, a is either top five horror sequels, which is a good one, good one. or top five uh, horror babes. Okay. Which is another good one. Lisa Zane, number one. That's Bam. It. I don't even have to do it. What anymore. a bullet. <laughs> <laughs> With my bullet. <laughs> oh. uh, all right, cool. So thanks, George, for yeah, basically really in, in, indulging thanks, us and listening yeah, to my stupid questions. And these guys had way better <laughs> things to say. Uh, thanks for having me. Thanks for asking questions. This was fun. Thank right, you, cool. George. All right, hopefully awesome. the Coppola was delicious. <laughs> I got to say, that was a good pick. That's, that's our sponsor. It. That's it. Frankie, that's our sponsor. It was better than Godfather Three, at least. (laughs) Diamond collection. Nice. All right, so we're we're gonna upload some of these flyers. uh, Cool. Oh, cool. I mean, why not, right? Yeah. So, all right, cool. Until next time. See you guys later. Bye. 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 Bye.